Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode 259. I am Peter, and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, bangerang. Connor is also here, or back, or something to that effect. Was I not here last time? I don't think you were. No, no I wasn't. No. Connor doesn't even know what day it is. I, I really don't. Until, until like an hour ago, I had no idea it was Saturday. Yes. Yeah, Connor wasn't here for the last episode, otherwise known as the good old days. Uh, so, welcome to the show. It's a DC Comics podcast. We get together. Real talk- quick. <laughs> yes. I, I just noticed on Skype there's now an option for me to raise my hand. What happens if I hit that button? <laughs> oh, I see it. I think yeah. it'll just give you a big hand emoji on the screen. Oh, please try it. No, I don't want to be the reason that the thing gets messed up. Uh, yeah. Oh my god. Oh, that says it raises his hand. Okay. Uh, it doesn't actually do it on, like, because there's a love heart one where it comes up on your face. Yeah. Like, it comes up over your face. That was just yeah. like, more of an outline. Yeah, that, 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 that's this one here. That's not, that's not showing on the... <laughs> I don't know how to turn it off. On the episode. Uh, hey, Connor, that's why I didn't want to touch buttons. That's why I'm glad you're... I... <laughs> you... yeah, last time Matt touched buttons, yeah. he was stuck with a dodgy background for three yeah. months. Yeah. Honestly, the idea of Connor having a digital hand raised that I will never ever address and actually ask his, <laughs> yeah. let him ask his question is kind of funny he to is me. The, yeah, yeah. Pete is the Snape to Connor's Hermione. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Ryan, put your hand down. You insufferable know it all. This is the first time Connor's ever been compared to someone in Harry Potter that's not one of the Weasleys. Yeah, it's true, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all know Hermione's the best, anyways. So, I mean, Connor, take that as a compliment. I did. I did. She's no Luna, but I mean, uh, you'd say that. Yeah. Yes. Harry Potter dances. This is a DC Comics podcast. We get together. We talk about the DC books we read this week, and this week is actually quite a hefty list. Uh, Fire and all cylinders. There are this week. Coming up on this week's show, we have Infinite Frontier issue one, the sort of the next event or kickstart to this new era from DC. We also have Checkmate issue 1, Detective Comics 1038, Superman 32, Action Comics 1032, Wonder Woman 774, Robin issue 3, Batman Superman 19, Batman Reptilian issue 1, and Carl's got a Patreon book as well. Have I missed anything? I feel like that was... There was so much in there. (laughs) Did you say Robin? I'll be honest, I stopped listening after a while. I did say Robin. Yes, I did say Robin. Okay, Okay. then then, yeah. Probably. I'm I minus one of those books, and we're gonna find out which one as we go. Uh, so, uh, I feel like there's one that it should be, although you'll probably have picked the wrong one because you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> we will see. Because uh, we made the choice on the show last week not to do Mister Miracle, just because we once yeah. we saw the list of oh, books, no. it was like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I let Connor know on Twitter just in case because he was maybe. Don't tell him these things. Let him. You already he- told me. I know, I know, but it's funnier. It's funnier. I, I, I was tweeting because I was looking at the list of books and yeah. I was like, I don't know if I read issue one. I, I know I was missing that week. And I don't remember if I read it and caught up or if I just like left it till later. And I checked. I read it. I just don't remember at all anything in it. Like, hmm. there's Sometimes you'll, you'll open a, you know, the next issue will come and you'll have a vague, like, eh, I'm not really sure what happened last no, time. I, I remembered it. It's just I wasn't motivated for two on such a. If this was last week, I might have read it, but for sure uh, on a loaded week. No, no, one of the ones that Pete listed, I did not read because of time. Uh, so 
We will, you guys will see which one that is. I mean, you read nine books instead of ten, though. I don't think anyone's going to give you too much shit for the... No! Still, still read more than me. Yeah, well... Yeah. Well, you read the least... I, I don't mind Bendis, Connor, so... <laughs> I, I don't hate hey, that's him. that's not what you. your Twitter says. Well, I don't like certain book, but... Uh, <sighs> I don't... It's not a grand thing. Um, do we have any news, or can I tell a quick story? There's one bit of news, and everyone's okay, favorite segment. News. Everyone's favorite segment, of course, first is how we always start yeah. the show now. Yep. Uh, so we will start off with comic solid. Just like going to therapy, I initially fought it, now I just go with it. That's that's a smart play. Smart play here. Yeah. So, yeah, Comicsology top ten at the time of recording, which is the usual Saturday time uh, this week. Um, Marvel have the top three books. Unfortunately, they're dominating. How many? How many of them are X? X all of them. Uh, no, no. Number one's uh, Darth Vader, issue thirteen. Oh shoot! Well, oh, that's pleasant surprise. I don't think we can stretch that. Uh, pleasant. I don't know if I'd say pleasant. All right. I'd... It's Matt would agree with me. It's. Oh, I'll, I'll get there. Cynically expected, to be honest. Uh, but number two is Sword issue six, which I didn't. I wouldn't realize it was an X book, except for the fact that it's got a big X in the in the O. So yeah, it's yeah, an expert. It's an expert. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but Sword as an organization did spin out of Morrison, right? Uh, uh, out of his right. X run. Yeah, it was either Morrison or or Whedon. I think it was, so I remember it in the Whedon stuff. I don't rem- remember. Yeah, I, I, I remember mean, Abigail Brand. So yeah, but I wouldn't necessarily because I think you can have a Sword book without looking at it and going that's an X book. Yeah. You know, it could just be. The, you can. The, 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 the this one is explicitly an X book. It so, is. Alpha yeah. Flight. Alpha Flight X book or not an X book. If it if it were to exist, yeah. But it, yeah. it could not be an X book, right? If it's I all, think yeah. it's Marvel's if, game right now. If all the members are not mutants, yes, it could be a not X book. <laughs> right, right. I'm gonna say that that's where Marvel is right now. It's either Star Wars or maybe an X book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number three is Way of X issue three. Uh, Def- well, definitely an X. Book. Definitely an X book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, number four. Is a DC book. Ooh, what is ooh. it? Oh, um, Batman. Checkmate. Between Batman, <laughs> well, just because it's not out this week doesn't mean it doesn't sell a shit ton every week. Well, it's Detective Comics, but I'm not accepting the generic yelling of Batman to count for that. Last time you told me always guess Batman. But see, I went against that. Whatever the bat book is that week, you fool. Look, I I am operating on. No sleep right now, okay? So, pizza. usually I try to get in and out, but now the Pete's not uh, <laughs> here for it. Oh boy, Connor, I feel like my yeah, temper, look. my temper, particularly with Connor, especially, yeah. is going to be a bit short today. So, buckle in, everyone. Buckle in, it's fine, I'll be distracted by the football. Detective yeah. Comics <laughs> 1038 is number four. Uh, number five is Wolverine issue thirteen, and number six is Amazing Spider-Man sixty-nine. So the top six not looking good for DC. One one out of six. However, right. luckily the rest of the top ten, the next four are all DC books. Uh, Infinite Frontier uh, coming in next, uh, and then yeah. Justice League, and then Superman in action round out the top ten. Uh, then there's one non-DC book, and then the four after that are all DC books again. So eleven through. Okay. 15 or all DC. That's Shotgun Rob. method. Yeah, Can Robin, I... Wonder Woman, Checkmate, and Batman Superman. That's yeah. cool. Can I throw in a sales-related fact that isn't hasn't got any hard numbers, but it's sales-related? If I say no, you're still going to do it, so just... Yeah, that, that's true. Uh, so this is from <laughs> Tyn- Tynan's newsletter. Uh, 
source of a wealth of information, frankly, at this point. Um, it's it talking about the orders for Nice House on the Lake. The second printing went to Final Order Cutoff this past week uh -huh. uh, of issue one. And the second printing sold more than the, uh, has more orders than the total projections for what DC had, their, their internal projections for the first issue. Wow. And it's, it's outselling that on just the second printing alone, which means we're probably safe to get a season two where, when that happens. Unless uh -huh. they spectacularly tank somewhere in the middle of the run. Uh, no, not, but I do think that Tynan's but... name now, like, I know my shop ordered a lot of them based off of his name, right? And it's yeah. not even from Batman. It's because of something selling the children. Like, I guess that was a real hot book at my shop. It's a hot so... book at every shop. It's, yeah, so... yeah, it's selling tons. So that's why they did that. So, but the second printing, that's pretty. Wild. Yeah, when when the second printing is outselling your internal projections for the total, that's mm -hmm. impressive. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess grain of salt because it's his newsletter saying this. It, it's a little bit braggy, but he has no reason to lie. I, I guess. No, really. but it's also tying in, and he's probably just excited to be like, "Hey, look, this little thing that I didn't think anybody would like." Is selling fantastically and yeah. everyone's loving it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, there was one, just one piece of news this week that I uh, I saw, uh, which is a delay for Batman and Catwoman, which has uh, been bumped <laughs> back a little bit. Uh, issue 6 has been bumped back to August 17th. Technically, Issue 7 is still scheduled for July, but obviously it's going to get pushed as well uh, once mm -hmm. they get around to actually updating the numbers. Uh, but uh, not a huge shock, this, I guess. This is because of the not annual issue, but the kind of special that they were doing um, that was supposed to be uh, John Paul Leon, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's actually been pushed till like December. Uh, I'm assuming he didn't finish it in time and, you know, they're, they're either figuring out what to do with it, get another artist to finish off uh, or what. Yeah, he definitely started it because one of the... Uh... I don't know if it was something they put in the book, in the books when they did their, their, their uh, you know, in, in memory page or, or whatever or if it was something mm -hmm. posted online but there was definitely something about his art featuring in the upcoming batman catwoman book still so clearly he did do some of it and yes. we're going to get to see it uh i mean i mean imagine how shit it would be if they if they got somebody to just read it all <laughs> i believe that was supposed to be out in july or or something um but that's so that's been pushed to like december which kind of makes because i think it is christmas themed anyway so i guess that was their logic uh, but this image just had a bit of a knock-on effect on everything. Yeah, I mean, I tell you, the whole the whole book's Christmas theme. It's all set at Christmas, so I think that uh, issue in particular was something that was talking about it being Christmassy. So, uh, I mean, yeah, so big. Wow, what was what, buying on the desk? What's <laughs> <laughs> told you it's my plastic. Uh, mouse, just, uh... he's just, just trying to irritate you, Pete. I, Apparently, I'm, not I'm actually cleaning my glasses, and uh, without my glasses, I have zero depth perception. So I thought I was farther away than uh, I actually was. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's all I had news-wise. Just uh, uh, the, yeah. the one one book delay. Nothing, nothing major. Uh, uh, we got. Uh, I mean, obviously, we had solicits last week. They, they were merciful and gave us them early this month. So uh, this week. I know this week would have been a nightmare if they give us solicits this week. So mm. that was that was merciful. Uh, but yes, um, you had a story you wanted to bring up. Yeah, just real, just real quick. Um, me, 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 and the missus took a drive uh, last or yesterday. 
I took a day off from work and uh, uh, went out to St. George for my favorite. It's in Utah. I should, I should be more particular with the people that don't know the regional geography. Um, like a little two, two and a half hours drive, went and got coffee at my favorite coffee roaster. Uh, but on the way there, we passed a billboard that said, Ernie's 2, the world's best chicken strips. So I was like, well, we have to stop, right? They are the world's best. So we go get our coffee. We eat a little lunch. We're like, oh, we'll just grab a couple chicken strips. Just say we tried the world's best. We pulled into a place, which I thought was weird because there's a gas station outside. But uh, Google said this is where Ernie's was. Um, apparently, guys, the world's best chicken strips are at a gas station in outside of St. George uh, under under a heat lamp. I have uh, my first question is. Why did you yeah. believe that, that, that there was any validity to this billboard? Well, One of those billboards has got to be correct. Well, you never <laughs> know these little towns, right? Like, it might actually have, like, a legit, like, kitchen, you know, down home, whatever. But no, this billboard was a liar. Uh, this was a gas station. I mean, I'm, and, pretty, I'm, and, I'm pretty sure most billboards that say world's best of anything are just throwing that on there. One of them is bound to be right. Yeah, right? So uh, we, we walked in. It looked super sketch. Uh, said, you know, made a very loud, oh, it looks like we forgot something in the car, which I don't know why we did. They don't care. Uh, and then promptly got out of there. Not trying. You, you the didn't even try chicken. the chicken strips. How, how do you know they weren't amazing? Be because when you walked in, it smelled like grease. Um, that was the first smell. And I don't know where they were frying them. It was a gas station. <laughs> Who said they were fried? Well, <laughs> then what was the grease smell? <laughs> Oil. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. Uh, so uh, that was that was my little. I I had to call my brother immediately because if that was just me and him, not me and my wife, we definitely would have been trying gas station chicken strips. Um, I'd have tried it. Right, and so, yeah, uh, that that was the you know nice little relaxing gas station chicken strip story. I have to get out of my system and tell somebody. I think, I think it's a lot more underwhelming when you didn't try the chicken strips. But I wish I had taken a picture because it looked like something out of out of a horror comic. I, I kid you not. <laughs> so, um, yeah. That said, if we have any listeners that are ever from that neck of the woods, in that neck of the woods, have you tried Ernie's 2 chicken strips? Can apparently also, yes. Also, apparently they brew hot coffee all day. Um which don't most gas stations? I don't know why that was also on the billboard, but uh, just in case you didn't realize. Yeah, yeah. So uh, fun times. Also, what's with the name Ernie's Two? Is it Ernie's One? Is this the second I, location? It's, it's Ernie's T O O. Oh, as okay. In Ernie's as well, and yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's better or worse. I don't know either. There's so much every layer. Every time you peel back a layer, it's it's there. Um, but yeah, as soon as we got out of the car, the immediate smell of grease outside, and then you walk in, it's double that. This is sounding more and more boring. like uh, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre style. Thank, like, thank you, Pete. Well, that's why we got out of there. <laughs> we'll stop at this beer, and you just walk in. There's a bunch of like old smelly men and. You, you did hear about the story, so not, not the Ed Gein story, but there's an actual story that Texas Chainsaw is based off of. Like, Ed Gein's in there a little bit. But there was a, a guy who used to kill people traveling through Texas, 
and then serve them up as barbecue. And, and that's why we have Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Sounds like Texas, I suppose. <laughs> I, I well right. was my exact thought. <laughs> yeah. So, good time. So, yeah, we got out of there. But, hey, River Rock Coffee Roasters, guys, if uh, I know they do online orders, maybe maybe not for you two. International's real. Yeah, uh, I, d- I doubt but, it. But I'm, I'm going to put them over here. It's really fine coffee. Mm-hmm. I was determined to tell that story on the yeah. podcast. I, I've just been drinking espressos, so you know. Yeah, gotcha. No, no, nothing fancy. No, I'm well. To me, fan, uh, espresso is is fancy. It yeah, it's the, the whole... n- it's the Nespresso pod capsules things. Right. Yeah, but you know, I just I, I've been making cold brew. I've been uh, iced coffee. It's getting hot here. 110 on average. I'd say it's getting hot here, and it is, but in comparison, it's not. Yes. Yeah. Well, what's 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 that in your your weird uh dangerous is, is what it is in, in our <laughs> correct sure. measurement so so right now it's 100 here um well let me just say nowhere should ever be 100 that just sounds horrific let's see and and see that that's 38 degrees in, in your weird uh that that is literally I, i'm i'm not exaggerating here that is literally hotter than this country has ever been in in yeah. any record and this is a obviously nice. Obviously, you you go back far enough in climate change or whatever, and that that's obviously yeah. not true. But since records began, like early 1900s, that is hotter than it has ever been. Uh, Connor would melt here. I really would. Yeah. Air freight, I'm in first class. <laughs> okay. Oh man. Anyways, Bloody I hope no you enjoy your coffee, Connor. I remember when you were like, "Coffee's disgusting." Uh. And now, a mere six months later, you're making espresso pods. I mean, coffee is disgusting. Like, I stand by that. No, I, have, I have trained myself to, to like it now. That's yeah. what you got to drink it enough. Yeah. There really is a cult. I really feel like I, I've spread, you know, the, this, you know. It's it's just that, like, at work every day, I like, well, I guess I'll, I'll guess I'll get my double espresso. Are you drinking works yeah. coffee? Yeah. Okay. You're, I, I don't know if we know where you work. I don't want to put it all out there, but <laughs> I don't like their coffee. <laughs> uh, I, I don't like the black coffee. The espresso's fine. Yeah. Okay. Mm. It's not like the best. A, you guys got espresso there? Yeah, yeah. Fresh beans. Oh, man. Espresso machine. Wow. Dang, it's here a, it's... It's like a bean-to-cup machine, you know, but it's, yeah, but it's proper still. stuff. Uh, how do we get Pete to drink coffee? Because, you know, I don't know if he's still on his four Red Bulls a day kick. Uh... But uh, for, for the sake of his heart, I, I, I have literally never had more than one hour to drink in the same day. <laughs> really? Let's just factually get that out of the way right now. <laughs> I have yeah. never done How that. Did you... So uh, when I stopped drinking energy drinks, it's because I was drinking two or three a day. Um, and and yeah, now I've just switched to coffee. Now I'm see, I feel okay. I feel guilty for having one per day. I think that feels like too yeah. much. So I used to, and then uh, there's this caffeine rebound effect that. One would make me feel tired, so how do you not feel tired to drink another one? Um, and this might be the closest to drug addiction I've ever been. <laughs> I was drinking, I was drinking monsters. There, there was a point where I was full on addicted to caffeine. I know that, like, because uh, yeah. you know I would drink uh, any drinks, like tea. Obviously, has them in, um, mm-hmm. like Coke and Pepsi have caffeine in, yep. and that would be like exclusively what I drank, to mm-hmm. the point where I could not sleep without caffeine in my system. 
yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Well, this has been absolutely fascinating. It is. Uh, but I think it's time we talk about some comic books. There we uh, go. Have fun editing that, friend. <laughs> yeah, friend. Doesn't even know your name. <laughs> Can't remember if it was David or not. <laughs> All right. Infinite Frontier, issue one. Joshua Williamson and Zermanico. Start of the... Well, I mean, it is a start. I mean, there was an issue zero, but the issue zero was more like a collection of, you know, prologue things for various books rather than just this hey. one. So... Mm -hmm. I'm going to say right now, the most exciting thing in this book was the first panel. Oh, I disagree. No, no. When it opens with Worlds Will Live, and you're like, oh, okay. That's the story we're setting up here. Yeah, of course. But I, I like to think this whole book was, was exciting, but... No, the whole book's good, but that's the uh, most exciting. I, As a continuity nerd, seeing stuff being pulled in from the rest of the DCU, um, that's very exciting, because I felt over the past, I mean, metal notwithstanding, everything's been kind of self-contained. We haven't had these big, huge stories, which is kind of nice. So when one does happen, it feels special. So to hear them, you know, to hear people talking about, you know, uh, A-Day uh, in Gotham and whatnot, like, that, that's really cool in the pages of this book. Wasn't expecting that. It feels, uh, but, it feels, it feels nestled in current continuity, for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh also, on a bit of the hyperbolic side, can Zermanico just draw everything from now on, please? Because uh, I definitely want to draw more lantern stuff. Yeah, I, I just I, love Zermanico's art. I do as well, but in particular, he, he draws a like a, a, a construct of a train, mm -hmm. and as it comes through, you know, it hints someone. It says "Wham" on the front of the train, and that that effect is fantastic. I, I want mm -hmm. more of that stuff in in my Green Lanterns. Yep. Hmm. So yeah, the book starts with a rocket ship, not unlike Superman's, mm -hmm. uh, crash, crash landing on Earth. Although, not the main Earth, as we'll very quickly find we'll out. We'll find out, yeah. Uh, but when the ship opens up, it's actually a version of Batman that is inside. Not a baby Batman, a full Batman. <laughs> no, and Just, seemingly Flashpoint Batman. It looks Flashpoint-esque. Yeah, it looks Flashpoint-esque. Well, you guys didn't automatically get those Flashpoint Batman? I did, yeah. Like, well, no, I mean, the red it, logo. I was like, I, it, last it, I remember a Flashpoint Batman, though, he was not in a great place. Yeah, it looks Flashpoint, yes, but I, I wasn't necessarily just assuming it was Flashpoint Batman. There was still there was still room for swerves and interpretations yeah. at this point. Um, but. but I also love that the the kindly couple that find him automatically go, "That's not our Batman," and I was like, "Okay, this this is DC." This is this is what they do well. Uh, that, that was great. As soon as they say "Call Calvin," I'm like, "Oh, okay, we're on mm -hmm. we're on Earth 33." Before we even get to the yep. bottom of that, okay, I know where we are. Yep. Yeah, uh, it establishes itself very quickly. It's kind of the the focal mystery. Uh, I kind of dig. Obviously, there's a lot of kind of crazy talk in the next couple of pages, but it's mm -hmm. basically just taking something from JSA. And one of the early things in the JSA run from Johns was uh you know, the extant stuff and, like, the JSA having to fight him. So, kind of starting, mm -hmm. kind of... Is, well, effectively, it feels like the first proper, like, Alan Scott-included story and a form of the JSA existing in present-day DC in a long time. Mm -hmm. Starting with, kind of, just the end of, like, a fight with extant, as if, ah, oh, he was up to no, no good again. 
yeah, we've been here, we've done this before, you don't have to see the whole thing. Uh, and but, but I do love what, what gets you there. It's the map of the multiverse, and then it pinpoints on Earth Zero, right? And then you see the, the new Justice satellite, you know. Uh, I just like how it zooms in on, on this, to the point where you have Extant there. Um, just really good visual storytelling. Yeah. Uh, so, this is kind of like... The most kind of in sections, I would say. Uh, we have this stuff with Alan where he, he meets Obsidian. Uh, they're talking about uh, Jade a little bit. They're not sure where she is. She's not showing up for their, mm-hmm. for their meeting. Um, and they're refer- re- referring to things that have came up recently. Uh, they talk about uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal a little bit. Uh, they talk about Alan coming out. So all the stuff that we have been reading in recent... You know, these little stories that have been popping up here or there in various anthology books. All relevant. All in continuity. Feels you feel a little bit rewarded for keeping up with everything, uh, to to an extent. Um, but as they're going to the uh the old GSA headquarters, there is a green mm-hmm. explosion, uh, which you know makes them freak out a little bit because they think Jade might be inside, uh, mm-hmm. and then questions where she is. Uh, from there we cut to Paris and. I live for this shit. I, I, I don't know why, but for some reason, like, going back to, like, uh, Bones and him sort of running the DEO and, like, mm-hmm. he, and in particular here recruiting Chase to, like, come and, like, help run it. And... You, you like Director Bones like I like Guy Gardner. Instantly, you're happy when you see him. You know? I mean, I would never want and to... I, I would never want to read a Bones book, though. I would never want a, a book that's about that's him. because he hasn't got the, the charisma of Guy Gardner that can, True. can carry a book. True. Yes, he has some. I agree. But but... I, I see... No, that's all... You make the argument that's all Guy Gardner has is charisma, and that's part of the problem. Um, but with Bones, I, I like him, but like when you, you're like, oh, this is the stuff I really like, uh, him trying to recruit chase back to the he's, DEO. He's, I, I, I get it. He's just like, such a... I don't know, there's a very pulpy quality to his character and just his place in the DC universe yeah. that just appeals well, to me for some reason. Well, and I, and I love it, how she talks to him. You know, he's like, do you remember what it was like before the world got so weird? She's like, says the man with a skull for her face. I mean, the big like, thing... I mean, the big thing... Was, well, there's two th- big things about this scene. One is that he shows her something that effectively, because mm-hmm. I, I don't see this as a blackmail thing, because I think you could read it that way, no. but I think this feels like, no, he's shown her something that is convincing her she has to get involved, because it's such a big deal, yeah. or it's so scary, or whatever. Uh, that's that's how I read her reaction of, oh yeah, shit. Yeah, as did I, because we know of, of her with the DEO and stuff, so whatever it is, like, she's like, I'm done, I'm not doing this anymore. However, what he showed her automatically pulled her in, so much to the fact that she didn't want the rest of her dessert. Yeah. Right? She's like, I'm not hungry anymore. So it's big. I also like to, and then this is part of the, I feel like Checkmate coming out late because that was supposed to be out last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll get that there, that all of these organizations are gone, but now Bones is starting this up. Yeah, he's, he's, basically, so, yeah, he's basically restarting the DEO. Right, which which I like because now that's a fresh start with with the deo and yeah, what, what it can be and stuff i think if you've been starting so. to read dc recently or even just as mm-hmm. recent as the start of rebirth which is you know when we started the right. podcast uh mm-hmm. this is kind of a relatively nice thing to just sort of you know rather than yeah. having all this weird continuity like oh it's a fairly fresh kickoff the other big right, thing exactly so. the other big thing in yeah. the scene though that i think is very important is the idea that at least a good portion of the general public now know what a multiverse is 
and now are yep. aware that there's multiverse shenanigans going on, and even are aware that in some capacity that reality has at some point been reset and can perhaps like, even remember elements. And maybe that's why it's spreading, because we get characters later who seem to be more aware than others. Others just think it's a conspiracy. Yeah. They think it sounds crazy. But some I, characters seem to have like a feeling like they can actually kind of sense it. Yeah. Well, and I love, and this is Williamson, knowing the characters so well, when Bones's point of view is, people shouldn't even know a multiverse exists. Of course, that's what a shady government guy would think. Right? Like, he has secrets. That's what he deals in. So... You know, and now the fact that it is, what problems does that, you know, does that lead to? So the fact that he seeded that here, and then we get the whole diner scene later, like that that Pete's yeah. talking about there. Because I don't remember yeah. this. Um, like maybe some civilians have become aware of it in the past, but I don't remember any of these crisisy books ever kind of focusing on the idea that the general public are aware oh. of. Well, I mean, think about it. Like worlds will die. That's the infinite crisis thing those are worlds of people so you know we yeah you never think about that on the micro level it's always the macro superhero what does this mean for that and yeah yeah so then we go to justice incarnate uh where thomas wayne wakes up Mm -hmm. uh, after being knocked out for a bit he's not very happy See anyone? It's not until he, he, he does not want the delicious carrot juice. Apparently, no, no he, he, he does not want Captain Carrot carry it near him. Period. No. To be fair, Zamanico makes Captain Carrot look scarier than I've ever seen him before. Yeah, but and and I like that though, just because this last way Batman has ever ran into Captain Carrot. So when he wakes yeah. up, this this gigantic uh, demented rabbit, thing. yeah, yeah, is staring at him in the face, and I and he goes, "Whoa, friend." You know, just as I like his whole vibe here. He's not into the characters, but I think he is fond of his lobster, just for the record. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you know, Calvin shows up, President of Superman, and kind of explains who they are a little bit. And this works as a nice little introduction as well, if you haven't read the previous stuff to set up this team. Mm-hmm. Here, Justice Incarnate, we're here to police the multiverse stuff that's going on. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> I actually really liked how this scene ended, because Thomas Wayne says, I need to speak to the Flash, and he says, which one? And he's like, Barry Allen. And then there's just that comedy beat pause and then goes, which one? Which one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, which, which actually does transition neatly into a Barry scene uh, where Barry is trying to experiment uh, basically to get to one of the two new planets, right? Earth Omega, mm-hmm. as he as he calls it uh, right. later on here. And he basically he's, he's, he's like, oh, if I jump through all these different multiverses very quickly, then play with my vibration, I should be able to get there somehow. And sure enough, he does. Yeah. And he notes that this Earth Omega is kind of strange and that it doesn't seem to have a frequency. It doesn't have one. There is no vibration. Yeah. So, yeah. obviously, it's an important plot point. And he finds the, the dead bodies, of course, that Darkseid left behind at the end mm-hmm. of the, the Zero issue. Uh, so... The quintessence. Yes. Which I You to... say bodies, more... Well, yeah. The, the, yeah. the clothes. Desiccated husks. The clothes, well, yeah, there's, there's kind of bodies still. There is, but, you know, bodies is being generous still, given the state of them. Yeah, I have to admit, I kind of forgot the end of that Zero Issue until this page where I saw the, 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 oh. all the corpses, and I went... You, you don't remember oh, us oh, talking yeah. about the, the, the quintessence, but there's six of them? Oh, it's not quite a quintessence? I, I mean, vaguely now, but, I mean, Matt, that's yeah. just like three months ago. <laughs> Barry doesn't oh, question on. that. No. No, no, uh... 
But Rari has no thoughts on the matter. He's just wondering what the hell happened here. Who did this? Who was powerful enough to kill these effective gods? Uh, and then something weird happens where it's like he flashes through different past versions of the Flash, different content, you know, the mm -hmm. old art style, uh, the more New 52 one, eventually sort of on present day. And then out walks our modern version of Psycho Pirate. Yeah, with a big old Omega symbol on him. Yeah. yeah. The black and the white, like we saw on Dark Side uh, at the end of that Zero issue. Yeah. Uh, definitely Ooh. teasing some weirdly big stuff. And obviously, yeah, the, the ties between Psycho Pirate and Flash, Barry specifically, and the original yep. Crisis, you know, can't be lost on us here. There's definitely mm -hmm. some callbacks to that. This is definitely something that's been written uh, from someone who's grown up with those crises in their mind and is harkening back to the very original one. So, definitely not surprising. Uh, and it kind of teases at the end that, you know, Psycho Pirate's got, uh, got someone else to go and find. Like, he's not here to torture the mm -hmm. Flash. You know, the voice, presumably Darkseid. I mean, it could could swerve us and say it's someone else, but at least right now we'd assume this is Darkseid that's speaking to him. Uh, I would, with the Omega and the lettering mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. And um, we cut to this diner. And, of course, one of the big reveals in the Zero issue was that Roy was alive. And somehow, like, there was no explanation, he mm -hmm. was just around. We assumed, oh, that you know, death metal, reset reality, things came back, whatever. Mm. We, we got a reason now, at the end of this scene. Well, we... Uh, you say that as if we understand it completely. I wouldn't say we do. No, <laughs> I don't. Not saying understand it, but it makes more sense than just you know. Let's just say finger snap back alive. There's more layers to it. Sure. And I was not expecting that. Yeah. Well, um, a lot of this scene focuses on these uh, side characters who mm -hmm. are basically debating uh, the existence of a multiverse. This other <laughs> this other stranger overhears the conversation and gets in and defends the, the the woman who's saying that there's a multiverse. And Roy is just drinking some coffee and just kind of smirking to himself as he listens to this. But there's one guy who's, you know, a bit of a dick <laughs> and kind of gets really yeah, aggressive so, with it. And I can't say that this, the last year, didn't have some influence on this dude's oh, life. For, oh, for sure. This is someone who's so, yelling at someone for wearing a mask. You you, you can feel yeah, it in yeah. your veins. Yeah, and but when you think about it too, of course in a world of superheroes, there are going to be the people that, despite seeing Superman flying, be like, Superman's not real. I was like, well, I, he just flew through here. No, no that's a, you know, conspiracy. And he's like, all right, dude, I don't have time for you. So I like seeing this character represented here. Yeah, um, and this is, you know, Roy steps in a little bit, but then, of course, there's a big uh, explosion at the wall, and we have these characters coming in looking for him, and... This uh, character, Extract. Terrible name. Extract, yes. Uh, and then there's a bit of a fight, obviously. Uh, some blasts, he's saving civilians. But then, there's this insane transition where she has Roy pinned down, she's got him at gunpoint, and then the very next page, you just see this giant pure black fist punch mm -hmm. this character out of the, the roof of the building, out of this diner. And then punches all the... Uh, again, we don't see see him yet, we don't see what Roy looks like here, but you know, it's keeping him all off, off panel. It's all just all the henchmen flying through windows and walls and, yep. and whatever. And then the final page reveal is a, I'm going to call this a black and white lantern outfit mm -hmm. uh, on Roy, where there's lantern constructs of all of his past versions of, you know, your, your Teen Titans Roy, your Arsenal, whatever, right? And mm -hmm. and I say black and white because the symbol's more black, black uh, lantern style, right? But However, the energy around him is white, yeah. 
Yeah. Right. Which then makes me think this is like a cheat that he's got, right? He was dead, but it's almost like the the Black Lantern energy and the White Lantern energy are are pushing at him, and that's what's brought him back. How he has access to this, who knows? But I'm here for it. Did did anyone else think it was weird him kind of questioning it himself? Like, what have you gotten yourself into now? Like just I don't know, yeah. just the actual dialogue of it felt weird. Like he had no idea he was this lantern. I don't think he had an idea he had he was the lantern though. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. But mm-hmm. I just think the, the, the actual construction of the dialogue of him just kind of standing there asking himself, What have you gotten into now? Well, I like I like because so when he odd. When he's, you know, when he he stirs away, he goes, "Whoever you are, thanks for the save." So yeah, he definitely doesn't know, you know. So I I like, you know, what did he just pull himself up out of the grave one day and dust himself off? You know, did he, you know, is this like a Jason Todd scenario? I mean, you I get know? I get the impression he didn't know how he was back. He just was. He was, yeah, that's what yeah. I mean, because oh, I think there's what, even... Well, I guess Matt's question is, what, what's his first memory of being back? Was he just uh-huh. there, or does he remember coming back to life? Like, does uh, he remember, uh, like, say, getting out of the does, grave? Does he even know he was dead? Right? I think he, no, I think like, he knows. I think he knows that he died. I think that's why he doesn't. he's not contacted anyone. I think that's why he's keeping his distance, because he, you know, of, of the shared history with how it ended with Wally, everything else. I think he, know, he knows he's past. He does know he's past. But... I mean, if I was to guess, I would say he just popped into existence. He didn't, he didn't like dig his way out of a grave or anything weird like that. But I mean, I would have agreed before this reveal, but then I'm thinking, like, you know, black ring energy. That's that's very much digging yourself out of a grave, right? Yeah. Well, and then the whole life, the whole live. I'm right? assu- I, I, assuming you someone know? didn't dig him up first. Right, and that's what it's I mean. Possible. Like the Jason Sotsner, is this because it, it reset himself, or the whole universe reset, right? And that's that's how we get him because that's how they explained Jason Todd originally. You know mm-hmm. that it was Superboy Prime punching at the, uh, punching at reality. Which I think has all been you know? retconned. It, it was just they threw him in a lot. Well, now it's Lazarus Pit, right. right? Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. So like, um, here, but they're also talking about people being rebooted. And that's maybe why some people remember and why some don't. Um, that was in the diner scene. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the the context there. So who knows? But yeah, Roy with these this lantern energy because I, I don't want to say it's black or white lantern. He's like in between. Yeah, I would say it's both because I, I, I and I don't yeah. think I don't think that's the comparison with that and then the idea that we have two planets that are kind of like mm-hmm. you know a pair. I don't well, think it's an accident. Alpha and Omega, which are first and last. One's called right? the Elseworld, but right. yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, the Elseworld, right? Yeah, um, but like the but... idea that we have like two sides of the same coin, effectively, and that, that's maybe a theme that's going to keep showing up here. So the idea that we have this black and white lantern where both energies are kind of working or coexisting, like life and death do work together, and and right. they kind of do, of well, course they do. Well, in life and death, and if uh, dark side represents nothingness. Right, and that I mean, life and death would have to work together because what is nothingness? Nothingness and, isn't death. And to go back to Psycho Pirate's costume, his uh-huh. costume was black and white, like it was a black and white outfit. Right, and then who we think is Dark Side, but who knows? Uh, Psycho Pirate tells Barry we're on the same side this time. Uh, yeah, he does, and I kind of believe him. <laughs> oddly, yeah. So, so if this is what you know, again. 
we want to think that it's dark side with what looks like the Omega effect and and the the lettering, but who's to say that that it is? And we thought kind of zombie dark side was was the villain, but what if he's not? I think the only things we can really say for certainty right now is that. The, the, not just because it leads into this scene with the you mm-hmm. have to go find someone, but the color scheme with him, the color scheme with Psycho Pirate says mm-hmm. he is definitely who Psycho Pirate is right. looking for. So there is a connection between whatever they're doing and what he is and how he became this. Or or maybe it's not so much how he became this, but because of he's happened to become this, he's now going to be very important in whatever is going to happen going forward. Whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, um, but everything else is also- just speculation at this point until we get the next issue. Also, when Extract comes out, she seems out of sync, like in between vibrations, mm. right? Like a, like a digital effect like we saw in Mr. Miracle. Um, so that's interesting. So wherever she's from, it's not exactly... Yeah, you know, I, I think in that case, it's probably just that she's transport, uh, you know, coming from another uh, Earth, another, mo- uh, you know, another universe, I mean, and that's probably just what it's maybe. representing. Probably, but... Or even just yeah. teleporting, even perhaps. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't, I, what I'm saying is, I don't think it's going to have all of the important symbolism that Mr. Miracle had with its effect. I, 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 no, 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 no. Because there's a there's a point where it shows her perspective looking at Roy, and it's uh-huh. filtered through that same effect, and Roy's got like a uh-huh. bubble around him to uh-huh. like. I mean, like I suppose highlighted. it is possible, given that you know we associate so many dark side things now with that Tom King book that maybe they are intentionally using something from it to. I don't actually mean like for Mr. Miracle. I'm just comparing it to that where you could tell there's a disturbance somehow. Like mm. if it was in a in if this was a filmed thing or animated, the effect on her would would stand out versus just in a comic where it's all kind of the same because it's that one dimension. So I don't necessarily mean Mr. Miracle. That was the only thing I could think of that I've seen anything like that, like the visual disturbance. Yeah. You know, so like if we saw her, she would be glitching in and out. Or whatever. I mean, she definitely, know. her and her group definitely seem like the sort of characters who are traveling through, uh, you know, different dimensions and, you know, right, going yeah. wherever they need to go. So, uh, and so that diner comes comes up, Saint Saint Tecla, um, and so I I just looked up Saint Tecla, and I don't know if I can find anything, <laughs> but it's got to be there. Like I've read enough Williamson to know now. He doesn't do things just this because. Is, this is conspiracy theory, Matt, when it comes to these things. He loves to yeah, go down the rabbit hole. So, <laughs> I'm going I mean, to Google every word they said in this scene right now. You laugh, but that's this is how I, you know, take things in. So, uh, but, but, I mean, yeah. d- dare I say it was a, it was a solid first issue that uh, has me yep. excited about what it's doing, where it's going, what the the goal is i like that it's got different very different batches of characters you know roy feels very different but also a nice return to form for a character who has been kind of shit on in recent years uh alan scott and the jsa have been gone for so long that it's really nice to have him be a central character in one of the plot threads uh and then just incarnate just a really wacky group of characters that are again not the mainstream batch and i'm sure we'll see more of the mainstream batch but and even the one mainstream character we do have in this which i'd say is barry he's used in a way to harken back to the original crisis so it's making it feel like it's a big part of hopefully something that we look at as the next step in dc's big you know larger continuity where we go oh this is this was this this was the start the true start of this phase of i do wonder what the 
But, you know, we, we can look at all the previous crises and go, this is what they were fixing, this is what they were setting up. Mm. I wonder what what it's going to be for this. Like, what, what is it? What is the outcome? If if I had to guess, it's a new, not necessarily a new status quo, but just going forward, it's, it's setting the table, almost going back to what we were before New 52. It's possible, because it's interesting in the sense that, that when we talk about these events, it's more about the outcome than it is the story itself. Mm-hmm. You know, you we can include like Flashpoint in that as well. I think is right. safe to say it doesn't have the crisis name, but effectively is mm-hmm. exactly. It's it's not about the the story itself. Like you know, Flashpoint was a perfectly fine story, but it was the outcome that mattered. That, that that's why it was remembered. That's why it has impact still now. Seeing like Flashpoint mm-hmm. for that matter. So I do right. wonder what they're going for with this. Yeah, I, I it definitely feels like uh infinite crisis before it you know like there's it, it's playing there's a lot of balls in the air that williamson is juggling so um you just you could tell he really likes the dc universe right oh, I suppose. Like that's the vibe i get from seeing all of these different characters at play here you know and i like to think that this came from an idea he had not strictly just editorial like we have to reset the status quo. Yeah, but, especially since you know. I like this is probably the least I felt they've had. They need to reset anything because yeah, because in the recent months, like ever since we have gotten past Dark, uh, you know, Dark Knight's Death Metal, it has kind of felt like we have actually reached that balance of oh, this feels like continuity is back and is important, and it feels like the world's shared again, but it still feels mm-hmm. like people are doing their own new things and we're getting cool stories. And I've probably had a greater number of titles that I've been extremely happy with than I, I probably ever have reading single-issue DC Comics. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure what I even want them to fix, if anything. So, if anything, I would just hope that this is just the event that, while it's starting a little bit later, is more about just, oh, this is the start of Infinite Frontiers era, and this is you, the big you event don't to go with be it. too worried that they're going to mess something up now and ruin what you've got, that you feel like it's in a good place. Yeah, and well, I have the, no reason to... Fact- worry yet really Good. yet there's nothing there's no reason to be panicking yet because the, yeah. the the current team that are in charge that are making decisions who are still relatively new we only just got rid of Didio like a year ago yeah. <laughs> um we well, have no reason I'm to doubt at them at these, this point these writers that are kind of shepherding stuff with like tynan and williamson um i'd throw uh who else who else is doing big stuff that's kind of, I mean, it's really just those two when I think about it. Those are the two right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, uh, I mean, Taylor's kind of doing his own thing. Same with I'd Philip say, Johnson. T- Taylor's, Taylor's kind of in a B tier. And, and Damn it, Matt. <laughs> I know, sorry. The, Taylor's kind of in a B tier. Not in quality, mm-hmm. certainly not, because I would no. say I like his work but more. Like, but in terms right. of these two that we're talking about, Tynan and Williamson, yeah. are the ones who have been given the reins for the events and the larger right. scope of things. But Whereas, Taylor is now getting to the point where he's got several of the big DC books, and he's mm-hmm. been trusted with multiple of the big characters. Right, right. He, he's on, yes. like you said, the next level down with, like, for like Ram V, people like that. Mm. Yeah, that's Ram, Ram V is who else I was going to kind of bring up, but Catwoman and Swamp Thing are so kind of niche. They don't have, like, these big overarching, but they do feel important because the stuff going on with Swamp Thing ties into, you know, with what's going on with Ivy. And we know that Tynan has some big plan for Ivy throughout yeah. Gotham, right? And then with, you know, also with Catwoman and how that ties in, what they've done with shoes, and now you tie that into Roy coming back, how's that going to impact anything, if at all? 
it does feel like it does feel like there's a game plan. It feels like something yeah. is being thought out in and, advance, which is nice. Right, and and I like that. And these are all writers that I really like. And it does feel like when I started reading comics back in like oh five oh six, DC had that you know for for fifty two, that stable of writers of Morrison, Johns, Rucka, and who's the fourth one? Wade. Johns, Rucka, Morrison, Wade. Wade. Yeah, Wade. And that's, I kind of feel like right now they're all working. It says in a lot about that dream team where Wade's the one that you forget. Just because he's been away from books that I read regularly. Right? Yeah, I know. But you, you list that oh, team, you're like, who's the one on it? Yeah. Oh, Wade. Yeah, of course. I yeah. mean, if you're telling me that uh, Tynan, Williamson, Taylor, and Ram V are this generation's it's, version of that, I'm yeah. okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Like, and again, all writers I really like, all these books I would read anyways. Like, I don't, I'm not feeling like I'm. Catwoman's really the one that I feel like I went out of my way to read just because you guys, like, no, it's really good and it's paid off. But everything else I would be reading normally just as a DC fan. So, like, again, well, like you said, it I feels mean, like there's this. To be, to be fair with that. Play. To be fair with that, though, if they'd, if they'd started from issue one again, you'd have probably tried it. Right? Uh, because let's sure. face it, we all we all tried Robin, not necessarily because we thought, oh Damien because a surefire hit. It's just because oh it's a new issue one we'll try it and then it just turned out oh Williamson's actually writing a really fun book. To be fair, if we knowing it was Williamson, we probably would have tried it anyway, even if it I was a shoot yeah, yeah. I possibly, but I would argue the reason why Matt probably decided not to just jump on a catwoman when it was the start of the new was... one is because it was issue twenty six or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. So. And then for me, Ram B was only the writer of Justice League Dark. So I enjoyed what, it. What, what right. we've established here yeah. is that Pete now agrees that renumbering issue one is a good thing. I never said it was a good thing. I'm I'm saying Matt was incorrect for not jumping on with the new writer. So yeah, <laughs> if, if, well, if I, Matt, I, who is a big comic book fan who reads uh -huh. all sorts of shit, thought, eh, I'm not going to jump on. It's in the middle of a run. Well, not in the middle of a run, but you know, it's in right. whatever number it was, and that, so, you know, even, even mean, on some level, put him off a little bit. That, that said, I. I instantly that, put Nightwing back on my pull list once Taylor was announced. Of course. Like, yeah. But let me count, let me count yeah. on that point. Let me make this very clear. Nothing what I'm saying here is that renumbering from one is necessarily what I prefer. I am saying that comic book readers are all wrong. Right? Let me make that clear. But if, if, if every or if the vast <laughs> majority of comic book readers are wrong, which, fine, let's, let's run with that assumption. I can roll with he that. He said it. He yeah. said it. I didn't say it. I didn't. I didn't say. Comic readers are wrong. Everyone <laughs> eats. Let's let's, hypo let's hypothetically run with yes. Comic book readers. I mean, not all of them, wrong. of course. The ones that agree with me are right, obviously. Here we go. Course, uh, I mean, I have <laughs> my own version of that going. That stuff sells so well because Batman's in the title. Um, <laughs> well, that's just that, that's my go-to. Uh, but so. let's let's assume that Pete is correct here and and that mm -hmm. we are all wrong. Don't you want to just change your system and be wrong to get more sales and then get a bigger audience and not have to worry that Catwoman might get cancelled? To quote Principal Skinner, no, it's the children I, I who are like wrong. It's like, the children I, who I are out of touch. I know that's a hypothetical, but I do feel like we're at a point now with when it comes to digital comics versus in-store that they'll take that gamble and just relaunch, right? So, like, if there's enough of an outcry about Catwoman being uh, cancelled, right? But it was critically enough, right? They had enough digital sales. Um, and then I feel like they'd give them a second shot, 
coming back through. I do think Versus... it's worth noting that just while we're on this mm -hmm. tangent, they do renumber the trades pretty consistently now. So yeah, like Time Batman has been relaunched as even though he started on what like the mid nineties or mid eighties. Yeah. Um that was Batman Volume One. Uh right. when they put the trade mm. on. Well, okay, I'm going to put a cap on this now because this is veering way yeah. off the actual yeah. book. So we, we have other books to get to. Uh, so, Beverly Frontier is a very good issue one if you care about the larger DC scope of things and like basically any of the characters that are included in it, I think. So, um, I mean, we, all three of us seem to be happy enough with it. And, uh, or, and I mean, to put it in perspective, I like this more than issue ones of the, the metal books just to compare it to recent events. Ooh, I don't know if I'd go that far. I think I had more fun with those issues. Um, I think there's some high points that were crazy enough in those that I do remember quite fondly, such as the Invisible Chainsaw and whatever, but this I'm more excited about is an actual event, like a DC Comics event. It just it feels this, more right. This might feel better overall as, as, you know, in terms of it being more important and being a quote-unquote better story. I... But yeah, I had I more like Snyder... fun with reading Metal like, than I did this, for sure. This doesn't feel like an event. Metal felt like an event. Right? This feels like a, a solid story. Um, right? Whereas Metal was like Snyder going, what what big things? Like, can I have a, a Batman that's also a T-Rex? Yes. Can I have an invisible chainsaw? Yes. I don't think that's where we're going and stuff like this. I feel this is more pure continuity superhero stuff at play uh and i think that's okay i like the variants i do as well yeah sure i would still call this an event for the record but uh i get what you're saying yeah but like yeah this is not a big blockbuster it's, it's, it's lower key in comparison yeah. to, to the metals and, and which I, were the last two events right yeah and i'll always prefer that i mean because of this kind of like blackest night right like blackest night felt like a big big event but it, you know it was big and huge but that, you know, there's other stories I'm trying to think of off the top of my head, right? That are just solid stories that are also big. It's so. funny how this arguably is bigger in scope than what Metal was at the start. Mm -hmm. Not not necessarily by the end, but, you know, those first issues of Metal where it's just, here's the Justice League doing some crazy shit. Whereas this is, no, JSA, you know, inter-multiversal Justice Leagues, Flashpoint Batman, you know, all these objectively big things that are spanning with you know, quite a lot of stuff in comparison to hey it's Justice League yeah it doesn't feel as grandiose as, as Metal did or like they, they went in with just like no we're, we're big and bombastic and you know it was the, the summer blockbuster whereas this doesn't have that feeling even though it right. is definitely an event still mm -hmm. alright Matt what are you reading that uh, this is a 9 straight out the gate Connor that is extreme. I mean, it's 7.5. I think it's pretty good. Where, where do I fit into I'll go with 8.5. I'm much closer to Matt than I am, Connor, for sure. I, uh, this is the last thing I read this week, and I was very happy because I feel like if this was one of the first things I read, it would have kind of killed the rest of the books for it, me. It, it I, was the first thing I read. Whenever there's a new event, it's always the first thing I read, unless there's a lead-in book. Yeah, it was the first thing I right. read. Too. Uh, so there you go, Symphony Frontier, issue one. Checkmate issue one, Brian Michael Bendis with Alex Maleev on the art. So, and this does feel like just like it feels like no time has passed. This feels like it just falls on from where we were at the end of the last Leviathan mini. And that that's my main criticism of it is that 
so I read this before I read uh, Infinite Frontier, and they just feel like two separate universes. This feels like we have taken a, a trip back in the time machine, um, even though did this address stuff that was brought up in Justice League? I feel like it did. I don't know. Uh, I read too many comic books this it, week. Re- Green Arrow referenced the current, like, he the current team. He yeah. referenced he's, he's in the team. So it did kind of tie okay. into what's going on, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So um, that said, uh, right on its own, taking that out, uh, this is the type of Benda stuff I enjoy. Um, I, I, didn't, so... I didn't have a problem with, I mean, obviously, this feels like it was supposed to come out much sooner, to, you know, to, yeah. to the other series. But ultimately, I'm not really going to critique the writing that much uh, for that feeling, because, I mean, if that's the way it was written, then got pushed for whatever reason. Maybe it got pushed because the revelations that it's going to get to actually fit better with where we're going, you know, timeline-wise or continuity-wise right. uh, over the next right. several months. But uh, So we get some teases of the first time Talia met Mark Shaw, who, just to remind everyone, mm-hmm. is Manhunter, who turned out to be the leader of Leviathan. You may have forgotten that, because it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, and, and he stole Leviathan from her, which I yes. forgot. Like, I not forgot, but I spaced. So, sure, yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, so, basically, Damien is investigating a Leviathan uh, ship <laughs> or a plane, and Talia sort of shows up at the same time. They're both investigating, and kind of banter a little bit. But they end up getting caught because uh, they end up stowing away in the ship when they're trying to hide. And mm-hmm. it leads to them being uh, held captive. Meanwhile, the team of Checkmate, which is now formed, which is our detectives, uh, with the mysterious character of Mr. King uh, being the leader, mm-hmm. who none of them, you know, most of them don't really trust him yet. They're kind of questioning him a lot. And... When... Ro- remind me of my theory who this is once we get there. Uh, after we talk about the, the plot. Okay. Am I supposed to remember what your theory is? No, no, no. Okay, because I don't. (laughs) No, no, no. It clicked in, but I don't want to sidetrack the plot. Oh, sure, sure, sure. sure. I get what you mean. Who they want us to think this is versus who I think it is. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, if you don't remember, we got, you know, Manhunter being, you know, the, the, what do we call her? Spencer. Yeah, Kate Spencer. Um, Kate Spencer. Yeah, Kate Spencer. Yeah, yeah, Green Arrow, you got question, Renee Montoya. Uh, Bones, Steve Trevor, and Lois, right? That is our, our checkmate team. Um, yeah. Um, and I do like, so I know Rucka and Bendis are really close. Uh, I'm judging by Connor Silence, he didn't read this. Of course he didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why the damn so, hell would I have voluntarily read a Bendis book? Because uh, of Maliv, um, and how, how beautiful the art looks. But anyway, um, so we know Rucka and Bendis are really close. And I feel this is Bendis reinventing Checkmate, like Rucka's Checkmate, because there's a lot of references. It's, you know, I read I reread Checkmate last year. Um, so there's a lot of references to how Checkmate used to run versus how this one's going to run, which I appreciate. You yeah. know, I, I the, the fact that Bendis goes out of his way through the characters to explain, you know, like when you look at that lineup, each of them is, is a different chess piece, right? Um and I'm going to try to pull it up here. Um, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. I'll just tell you if you want. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So, but, like, you have, you have two bishops, right? Um, you have a pawn. You have a king and a queen, which I know that was king and, and Lois. Uh, you have a rook, which I think was Trevor. You know, so when you just think of those uh, titles on uh, the, in the Rucka version, 
and trying to figure how that fits here. I, I just, I like that. I like that reevaluation. So. Yeah, Lois gets all questiony on Mr. King, asking him about, you know, how old he is. Are you an alien? Are you not human? Uh, mm -hmm. And he insists that he is human. So, I mean, we'll keep that in mind. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, we cut back to, because they're questioning where Tally, because Tally is meant to be there. Tally is meant to be on the team. Uh, and it's worth mentioning this thing that happened with Damien was a couple of weeks ago, and then we cut to a week ago when mm -hmm. uh, Shaw's got them kind of like suspended in like bubbles of some kind, mm -hmm. uh, and is bantering off with them, trying to question them, and basically wants her to join him. Says, "Hey, like you could yeah. join, like we we could do great things with this new Leviathan, uh, th you know, so on and so on." And Lois uh, is. And of course, Talia tells him to piss off, basically. <laughs> this right. Just a bit. And Damien just keeps repeating, you're under arrest, over and over again. Because he's Damien. <laughs> Which is pretty great. Yeah. yeah. And then it comes to Lois at Daily Planet, and she is working late, and someone who works there in the TV production department comes in and says, hey, I've got a package for you. And it turns out that she's not worked there for a while, and it, it she basically just starts talking like she's part of Leviathan. Mm -hmm. And makes it very clear that Lois is wanted. That Mark's got a message for, her and yeah. you you could be a vital part of like you know this new world and like forming it and whatnot. And we end with her opening the package, and I have zero idea what this thing is. Do you have any clue that's in this box? I have no idea what that is, but <laughs> whatever it is, it has to do with her dad's sacrifice. And if I remember, you know, he sacrificed himself. So Leviathan couldn't it, take over. It could be something you wear around your wrist, because that looks like a strap. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, under the, underneath the, the, the this this core metal part with the red and yellow on it. Is yeah. that the most weird? Uh, but uh, the final page, of course, is that there's a, a sniper looking. <laughs> it's, the, <laughs> it's the Winter Soldier. It actually does look like the Winter Soldier. <laughs> That's what I was like, oh no! Buck, what happened, man? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because even when she holds it up, because I thought she was holding up like a camera in that last page, no. but she, I, don't she, I don't think she is. I think she's just sort of holding it. Uh, but I think she's holding it like I, I, I got it. Yeah, you know. So, uh, so yeah. So it's, it's all intrigue. It's all setting up that that your checkmate exists to battle uh, Leviathan and try Leviathan. and take them down. I, do you know? Yep. Conceptually, I like the issue quite a bit. I think the art looks mm -hmm. great. I like the mm -hmm. chemistry between a lot of the characters. I like the stuff that it's focusing on. I will critique it a little bit and say that, you know, for a six issue mini, uh, I don't know if this felt like it like did much story wise yet. No. The very little to jump off of. Which here. I, this definitely felt like a uh this felt like a an issue one of an ongoing, not yeah, many. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. Like, I have no problem with how little story advancement there is per se. Yeah. I actually would be fine with it. if this was a twelve issue book or ongoing. Fine, but because there's only six issues, I kind of like, I got to that and went, hmm, this is going to a, this is a slower pace than I would expect for a six issue book. Uh, is this mm -hmm. only you know the second series in a trilogy of series or something? Because it doesn't yeah. feel like it doesn't feel like going to win by right. the end of the six issues to me, but. Yeah, Leviathan still seems like a pretty big threat, but then, you know, Bones is part of this, and by the time Infinite Frontier kicks off, he's re-establishing the DEO. Yeah, I, I think that so like I, that definitely you know, means to me that this takes place before Infinite Frontier, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And that, that's what I had to say, like, that's my, really my only slight on this is, it felt like it should have came out last year. <laughs> like, yeah. hot on the heels of Leviathan and, and all of that stuff. 
but who knows why like there's a reason they pushed it and you know um maybe to go with bendis's justice league i, I don't know doesn't but, feel like it will i mean no? they feel very separate but who knows yeah but uh... who, who knows at that point so the so the whole thing of this king character right is in in checkmate there's the character of king faraday he's like spy master he's kind of trevor steve trevor before steve trevor in that he's the governmental figure you know he's almost dc's nick fury right and i feel that that's who bendis wants us to think this is right his name's king however we've got a lot of markovia from bendis with leviathan taking over them being a rogue nation um how did he take over isn't there a royal family there and if you remember geoforce right he was prince brian of markovia mm -hmm. so now i'm wondering if this is who he is because that whole conversation with lois you know he says that he's she says he you know you're a king that's all i know i don't know if you're human not that that's an issue because look who i'm married to but he goes i assure you i'm very much a human right i just i feel this is going to be geoforce and this whole thing is they deposed him and now he's trying to get his country back because when you think about who's been missing from dc continuity and all this stuff like geoforce is a pretty major figure in the outsiders and amongst other and he's just been gone and you look at that outsiders that's operating right now with katana and black lightning he's the one that's kind of missing along with batman but batman's got enough going on right um so yeah i'm gonna call it now this ends up being king brian of markovia We'll see. I have no strong feelings yeah. on who, who yeah. Mr. King is, gotcha. but I don't uh, have any reason to doubt uh, that theory. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think if you like the first, uh, you know, Le Leviathan book that mm -hmm. Bendis did, I think you'll you'll be into this issue. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's moving quick enough to actually end in six issues' time, but I mean, we'll see. Yeah. You know, Bendis has definitely yep. swerved us on that kind of thing before, so it's not entirely impossible. So, uh, all right, Matt, what are you giving? Um, I'm gonna give this an eight. I want to give seven point five, but I can't with Malieve Art. That's so shadowy and moody and feels perfect for this kind of espionage type stuff. And then you get to the Leviathan set stuff, and it's real bright and it's kind of counter to what we see the heroes doing. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's really it's almost that an ironic touch that the heroes are always yeah. in the dark areas. They're always in in secret in uh -huh. the shadows, whereas the the villains are the ones with the big bright rooms and all yep. that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so like it's hard to give for me anything with Malieve art, you know, below an eight. So I'm I'm gonna give it an eight. Yeah, or even just something as simple as that. In that last page, when Lois is looking out the window, the panels are circular because it kind of mimics a scope. Yeah. Uh, but it's not mm -hmm. it's not like there's like scope lines on it to really like tell you it's a scope that you're looking at. Yeah. Right. Uh. It's, yeah. I th yeah, I'll probably agree with the eight. I, I think it's... Uh, there's nothing I don't like about it, really. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's perfectly fine, and this is why I'm glad. Had I read Infinite Frontier before this, I might have been like, I don't know if Checkmate was that good. But, you know, it's fine. Like, it's it's a good read. Um, hmm. and, if, and if you like Bendis and Believe, I can't believe you wouldn't be reading this. Like, that's a solid team. So, uh, they're just doing it at DC now. Detective Comics 1038, Mariko Tamaki writing with Victor Bogdanovich on the art. 
And this is, uh, this is, you'll become one of my most anticipated books just on a regular basis uh, from DC. I'm super into what I, Tamaki's doing with this. Yeah, out of the two Bat books, it's the one I look forward to more. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like what's going on in Batman. To Batman most, yeah. I mean, I still like Batman yeah. a lot, but I, I just, yeah, I, so I like this just a I, little bit more. I feel that yeah. way the other way around. I, I like this a lot, yeah. but I, I definitely like Batman. Yeah, because we ended with the cliffhanger so, last issue with uh, Worth, you know, the uh, the father, mm-hmm. the big the big guy, the the oh, one the one who brought the rocket launcher to the station, yeah. and that badass yeah, yeah, scene yeah. from last issue. Uh, yeah. So Batman and him are squaring off in the sewers. He uh, apparently didn't announce that he was Bruce Wayne as Batman last no, issue. I, I kind of get it now in retrospect that the way this, the conversation yeah. continues, it's more just like here, like someone is, as opposed to here, I am Bruce Wayne. <laughs> it did not play that way yeah. at the time, did it? No. Um, also, I like the idea that Mr. Worth is dumb. Like, he's oh, sure. made his money the old-fashioned way, and, you know, he's a, like, he's a builder. That's what he knows. He's not, you know, a tech bro that had to, you know, innovate things. Sorry, did I hear that um, right? Did Matt just call all builders dumb? No, 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 no. However, Mr. Worth isn't, like, he didn't make his money off of his brains, right? He made it off of, as he says here, the old-fashioned way with blood sweat tears and all of that stuff and so i like how different of a of an antagonist that is for bruce because for the longest time we've gotten people that are going to match wits with batman i like someone that's just like no i'm going to punch you until you don't move anymore you want a new bane (laughs) not even bane because bane people forget this but the original nightfall the reason he's able to break batman is because he you know mentally fatigued him first he does, you know. but you, you mean you want the physical threat as well, like not just the you, you, you yeah. want the big muscle dude who can throw him around a bit, right? And and you know and you know Batman has to keep a step up, but he can you know talk his way out of it if necessary. And oh, you make sure Matt. So nice going. Because uh, I I would probably counter that a little bit and say that this guy mm-hmm. does not feel like he's he's anywhere nearly as trained as a character like Bane. He feels like mm-hmm. he's he's got oh. the strength, he's got he's got the build yeah. and all that, but he's. He's definitely going to lose in a he's, one-on-one fight uh, as soon as Batman outwits him. But yeah, he does have power. he does have more ammo for his bazooka, and that yeah. is a very effective tool uh, in your your fight. Uh, yeah. And the you world's the, biggest hand cannon. Yeah, you know, you know the old uh, Teddy Roosevelt uh, quote: "Speak softly and carry a big stick." All of Mister Worth got out of that was be the big stick. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, so from yeah. there we cut to uh, Lady Clayface who's sort of like in the, the bat van or whatever it is. <laughs> whatever she's sitting in. That sounds terrible, especially with a guy that collects orphans. Like, <laughs> uh. But anyway, Huntress is looking I actually love this, this the uh, connection to the previous scene where Huntress mm-hmm. like feels the rumble and looks up at the light shaking. Just to sort of mm-hmm. like so oh that explosion in the sewer is actually yeah. is having a, a knock on effect up above. Like people are noticing so- this. I was reading this at fire work. A bazooka at short range. Yeah, uh, I was reading this at work on my lunch, and you know, my coworker loves to talk to me as I'm clearly trying to read, you know. And so sometimes I have to go back, and I was like, "Wait, where'd this bite come from?" And then I flip back through, and I was like, "Oh no, it's it's right there," you know. So I like the Bogdanovich's storytelling; it's crisp and and spot on, you know. So there, because sometimes there are panels, as Connor likes to point out. Where things just happen that don't match. Where's the, the cross? Yeah. Where's the cross go? And and I get that, you know, you have that whole part of storytelling that, you know, stuff happens in between panels. 
but I do like it when when you, you can piece it together cleanly. So I, yeah, that whole rumble with the lights, and then it leads to the sequence of the <laughs> the street opening up. Oh yeah, because like Batman punches yeah. him back, and when he sort of lands, he like fires a, a rocket up the way. <laughs> which can I just point out a detail here that is kind of silly, but I love it. Is that the handle uh, where he's holding the bazooka effectively has spikes, like it's meant to also be used as a punching weapon? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, I can't imagine someone actually punching with like the the front end of a bazooka as the as the knuckle dusters. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so big fight happens, uh, you know, big you know what do we call it? A crater is effectively formed in the middle of the street and Huntress is like grabbing civilians. But the fight ends because basically Worth gets a glimpse of uh, Lady Clayface looking like his daughter and he has this kind of spiritual like heartbreaking moment. Uh, and this is the weird thing is I I want to give this credit here because the way Batman sort of talks about this in his narration, it kind of gives you just a little bit of sympathy for him, just a little mm-hmm. bit. It's, it's not like he's he's a bit cartoony and over the top, obviously, but here you get a little, just a little bit of humanity. It's like ah, oh, you know what? For all of the faults that he has, and he still has them, he's still a villain for the rest of the issue. There's just a moment of like ah, oh, this is I, I kind of get why this is affecting him, seeing yeah, his dead daughter, especially in the end. Um, yes. what, what his plan is. So you're just like, oh man, you know, he's he's definitely a villain. Oh yes. Of course. Uh, so this is how the, the fight basically ends. It's that last panel especially where she's kind of morphed into just a big clay head and he's like holding the, the, the clay remains on the floor. Uh, it's, it's just really like sad and like, <laughs> like how is he processing this? He can't. Mm-hmm. He, he actually... He gets arrested. It's on TV that he's he's going to into the police, but then you get you get that he's been released at the end of the page. Like he's in fact, there's even a comment from Huntress, I think, in the next page, or maybe Bruce. That it's the it's the shortest love prison sentence that anyone's ever served mm-hmm. in Gotham, because uh, he's that powerful. He's got that many connections. Well, I d- and and they make a big deal that he uh, that when he blew up the police station, a lot of the police weren't there. Well, I like so that's what I was only about, Bruce in there. That's what I was about to yeah. say. I like that the, even the newscaster kind of talk about it. like it's kind of mysterious yeah. how no one was yeah. even there except that yeah. one person. So, and then I kind of like that Tamaki with the commentary there is too about Gotham that, still being corrupt. Mm-hmm. So that, that wasn't the the newscaster that said that. That was uh, who was that? That was the woman talking to the mayor. Ah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah. That for for as good as like, because I don't feel like Nakano. Like we we know kind of where this is going with with Saint Industries and Future State, but I don't feel like Nakano being even being a former cop. I feel like if we have the scale of of corrupt Gotham cop and Gordon, I feel like he's a little bit closer to Gordon. Than yeah, I don't think cops. he's like that corrupt. I think he no. hates, he, has, he has an anti vigilante thing. Yeah, yeah, because they get in the way of them. I mean, it's it's the Gotham Central argument, right? Yeah. that they, they made in that book is like, look, he's doing our job better than we are, and that makes us look like idiots. I do think he's coming from a mostly good place, though. Yeah. I mean, he is, so, I mean he's kind of... I mean, this might, maybe this is more stupidity rather than sin- yeah. sin- a sinister thing, but he is kind of aligning himself with a lot of... Like, and I don't even just obviously he, he doesn't know that he's got like a weird m- monster oh. as a staff member or whatever. But no, but he yet, anyway. but he he does play a role in letting the magistrate take over. So at, at the very least, he is gullible enough to be but taken that, advantage of in that sense. I, I think naive, I, yes, but that is that is different from and that's that's the whole siren song of Law and Order, right? Is that if 
if all you want to do is instill law and order, who you you got to be careful who you align yourself with because they're that can be corrupted as much as the other side of things. Yeah, right? of, of just having pure chaos. So I do like that. That's where that's going. Is from reading Future State, we know what bad happens with with the magistrate, and so we're kind of watching it happen in slow motion. I would um, I would still definitely call him less honorable, though he still comes across as yeah. quite wormy. And uh, that's, how he that's is what I mean, is that he's closer to on the scale to Gordon than a corrupt cop, but he's not close to Gordon. Between you know? Gordon like, and Flass, he's closer to Gordon. Yeah. Aye. <laughs> I, I, I think that's kind of what Matt was, was trying to get across. He's closer to Gordon, but he's still he's close to the center. He's closer yeah. to the center than he is to Gordon. Yeah, I mean, he still has his own, you know, stake in things, so... Yeah. Anyway, so so Bruce is having to hide out of Huntress's apartment because now Worth wants to target both Bruce and Batman, so he can't really go back to his place. Uh, so there's a couple of jokes tracked about that. It's all pleasant enough. Uh, again, treating Huntress... And I, I love that Oracle just pops in. Like, she's not been in the book yet, but she pops in just suddenly saying, Hey, he got released. He's released in a press conference. <laughs> like, stuff's going on. Uh, what do we do with this? Um... And this catches, there's one panel, just there are a couple of panels at the bottom of this page, but this is broadcast, this captures the attention of the Penguin. Um, and this is what's genius about this, because Tamaki, this is the first time Tamaki's not done the backup, but when I got to the mm-hmm. backup and saw it was the Penguin, I went, oh! Yeah. This is nice synergy. Like, it's the I, same way we had the Huntress backup before. Yeah, but I, I'm more interested in reading the backup, because it, it felt like it was tying back into something I already saw earlier in the book, so mm-hmm. I was... And then, of course, I right. see the Batgirls in page two, and I'm like, okay, I'm definitely reading this, but... <laughs> right, it's it's yes. yeah, it's creating that tapestry of yes. Gotham. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and then we have, uh, we have a uh, worth meeting Hugh, the the one, of course, we we discovered last issue, the mayor's aide who turned out to be the one spreading the the monstrous parasite or whatever we're mm-hmm. going to call it, um, and. I know Carter's going to complain about the scale of a panel here in a second, but... <laughs> oh, I, I already tweeted this. Yes. Yeah. Uh, given that it's in just plain infinite white, I'm going to say it's just a stylized representation oh, and I have no, no problem with it. <laughs> no, it's not on plain infinite white. It is? the page before, it's at the bottom panel as well, where there is clear background in the car. Um... It's a really big gun. What do you want from me? Is it possible this dude just has a tiny head and uh, this is what I mean. I, I, I think it is possible. He has a giant gun or he has a tiny head. The, I, 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 to me, I don't know which one. That's felt like a stylized thing to me because because Werther's drawn is so big, it's extending to his firearm. <laughs> that the barrel is the size of his head. It's a really big gun. <laughs> you know, the thing is, I was willing to go. Oh, it's a perspective thing. Worth sat in front of him, and now I'm looking at him. But the gun's behind his head. It's a, it's not even a, you know his head is in front of the. Gun. It's, it's, it's not a perspective. It's it's just bad. Artistic, Sorry. artistic license. I don't think it looks bad necessarily. I think it looks comically <laughs> terrible. I think it looks great. It made me laugh. Thank you, thank you, Matt. Like, I agree. Yeah, it made me laugh. Like, no, no, and that's not a quality thing. It's just like. Uh, Bogdanovich went, I'm gonna draw this massive gun. Yeah, it made me laugh at how stupid it was, but that's not yeah. a good thing. Uh, well, it, it completely took me out of the book. Also, if you're a man the size of Mr. Worth, 
you have to custom order your firearms. Of I course, feel. yes. Because your big yes. old fat fingers can't actually pull it. So who knows? He has one the size of a, you know. Yeah, who knows? That, that's fit in the middle of the moment for me because. How big are the bullets in that thing? What caliber is he getting in that little. Not a little, but you know. What caliber bullets are you getting? Ah, there? stop nitpicking. It, it, it fits in the middle of the moment because the whole point of this is that he's supposed to be this squirmy little dude. He feels like he's in power. He's got the gun on him. And then, of course, we have the panel of the, the parasite or whatever it is coming out of his mouth. Um, and. Terrifying. For, yeah, from there, it's like, okay, so Worth just got taken. Like, that's him now. Um, and, you know, at the end of the, the, the page, he's, you know, Hugh gets the phone call and he's talking about going to meet whoever he's talking to. Um, and he, he goes to see the reporter, right? He goes to see uh, Deb, Deb Donovan. Mm-hmm. And it's a proper, like, horror, like, a, a thriller, maybe, is maybe a bit more accurate description, where she comes home, uh, or even home, actually, she, she's she's drawn to a, a meeting, right? Uh, and, he, and she's like, well, this is weird, why are the lights not on? And she starts to get kind of nervous, she wants to leave, and he attacks her. That's kind of a cliffhanger there, uh, which then translates to, this is a trap, he's making it very obvious where to find her, so Batman mm-hmm. and Huntress come in, knowing that this is, you know, she, you know, whoever's done this wants her to be found. Wants the wants them to find yeah. her. Uh, so they get there, and she's you know classic hostage situation, tied to a chair, gagged, all the rest of it. Um, and you've got Worth, who's helped plant these explosives, uh, on behalf of him. And this is the thing on the page where he's taken. I was actually wondering if he was actually like given the parasite, or if it was more mm-hmm. like the threat of it, just to show how powerful he was. And then he was kind of on board to like go along with his plans from that point on. Um, I'm probably more inclined to think that he got parasited just because it, it's the more obvious thing to accept. But I could, you could tell me that he didn't actually do it. I don't think so. I think that it was. This is the tease of the parasite knows what Mister Worth wants to hear, mm. and this plays more into to the plans of whatever this parasite did, did you take that I, panel of the parasite is more of a, a suggestive thing than an actual yeah. literal happening in i the think scene it was thing. a reminder to us yeah mm. like that, this is the guy with the parasite you know remind okay. what he's capable of yeah um, so, i will so, say the only thing in defense of pete's theory here because mm-hmm. i didn't consider this is that um at the bottom of that page we see uh hugh's eyes his eyes are green. green that's what that's yeah. what made me think it no, and we don't see Worth's face again for the rest of no, the issue. It intentionally keeps his face hidden. His eyes specifically. True. His eyes, yeah, yes. it's hiding his eyes. I mean, mm. now, admittedly, I read nine books in the space of a few hours with very little mm-hmm. sleep. So I am going to concede that my uh, cognitive skills were maybe not as high as yeah. they often well, are while I'm reading my books. But we'll, we'll see because they're they're really positioning Mister Worth as a new. Thorn and Batman's side. So... Yeah, I can buy him not making out of this arc, though. I can buy this, you know... Uh, maybe. Being the end of his story, possibly. I, I It's... I mean, I'm fine with it either way. Uh, you know, maybe it's intentionally supposed to be vague, and that's why they're hiding it, because it's like, oh, is, is he taken or is he not? Kind mm-hmm. of thing. Uh, what's funny, because that's the page he's complaining about the big gun perspective. I, I, if I had to... My, my critique would be that it's a little unclear if I'm supposed to assume that he's been taken I, or not. I didn't think it was unclear at all, I'll be honest. I didn't think there was any implication of it. Um, I, I, I didn't... Again, maybe maybe we're completely wrong, but I didn't think that that 
panel in green was happening there and then. I, I took that as like a, a flashback kind of showing us, especially I, I, as the... Uh, I the box, took that. The box in question is square rather I than did as well until I got to the end of the page and he had the green eyes. And then I thought, you know, he's kind of won this argument now really easily. And I wonder if it's, you know, in this, you know Worth's not threatening him anymore. And maybe it's just that he's convinced by what he's saying. But it kind of felt like, oh, maybe he has just taken him over. And that's why this is mm -hmm. like going his way now so easily. But, yeah, we'll see. Obviously, we'll, yeah. we'll get more as, as we go on. Uh, Hundred starts taking out some of the explosives, uh, but the cliffhanger, of course, is the explosions happening. Um, once again, Worth's got a bazooka on his back, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> he says "kaboom," <laughs> and, and Hughes just uh, "yes," mm -hmm. like a snake that he is. Uh, so, yeah, so yeah, that's all right. Um, you know, as far as cliffhangers go, obviously we know that they're all fine. We don't expect anyone to actually be hurt in this explosion. That's just comic book cliffhires so maybe that's a, a small knock against it i i really was worried that they were going to take out the reporter because i like i like this character i like Donovan. it too yeah so i was worried that, that this was the last of her but it doesn't seem like it because batman had just her around long term is a is a counterpoint to to you know bruce and batman and is a different voice in the city which is very different from you know the sexy Vicky Veal reporter lady yeah. who, who flirts with Bruce. This is a very different character, and I think it, it adds a bit of a fresh I, flavor to the whole thing. Yeah, I feel like she's Gotham's Lois Lane, right? She takes no one's shit. She gets the story in. She doesn't like Bruce Wayne because of you know what she thinks he is. Um. So yeah, and plus I, I liked that backup last time from her point of view. Oh sure. Yeah. You know that was a real real good uh, yeah. story. And, you know, uh, your gun perspective issue, perhaps aside, uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's much to complain about with the art in this issue. Yeah, Bogdanovich, I, I really like My him. only other quibble, and it is a quibble, mind. All right, set your watches. There's a panel where, like, you can see, like, Batman's eyes through the cowl, where most of the book, it's it's the white out. Mm. And, and those panels just irritated me a little bit. But, uh, you know, I wasn't going to mention them. <laughs> <laughs> You did it. You graced us with that. You, you invited anyway. it. You invited me in to just like, hey, make 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 more quibbles. So, <laughs> uh, a reputation. Did you say make more tribbles? Don't they do that by themselves? <laughs> do, do you know, I, I was just thinking that sounded like a Star Trek reference. The trouble yeah. with quibbles. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> what are you rating the mid story in this issue, Matt? Uh, I'm gonna give this a. I'm gonna give it an eight. Connor. Yeah, I'll probably go with the eight. Yeah, I'll go straight as well. There's definitely you know, a couple of yeah slight quibbles compared to the last issue, mm -hmm. which I was more overtly positive on. But I still really like this, like everything it's doing, like all the characters it's playing with, all good stuff. And you know, I was wondering getting into this, would I read the backup because it's by someone else? But like I said, I got to that first page and went, "Oh, penguin!" They teased the penguin thing in the main book, in the main story, and I was like, "Okay, what's this?" And basically, what this story is is just setting up the motivation Penguin has to be interested in what Worth is saying and doing. And maybe that's actually the best reason why he's not been taken over by the Parasite, is because if we're setting up a relationship with Penguin, then it makes it's a bit weirder if uh, he's been taken over in that case. Mm -hmm. But this is all about how everyone thinks Penguin is second rate. He's offended that the Batgirl sh you know, showed up to fight him instead of Batman. <laughs> I thought of you there. <laughs> and like you see them, you're like, oh, this is gonna be a Batgirl story secret, and then they just leave. 
and I was like, oh man, the disrespect. <laughs> uh, but then you know, even yeah. his henchman quits and says, ah, you know, this isn't really worth it anymore. And then sort of kind of mocks him at the bar and says, maybe I'll go try to get work for the Joker. He pays better <laughs> or something. <laughs> um, and it's all just about how Penguin used to be this big shot. He was, I think it's put very well at one point that he's kind of a relic of when crime and, you know, families and crime bosses mm-hmm. were the, the main threat in Gotham. He's kind of like a leftover of that. He's a crossover character from that era. And he's kind of like redundant now in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And this upsets him so much that this guy that's sort of uh, asking him questions, this reporter at the uh, the Aceberg Lounge, and it's all questions about how he's not that important anymore. He this is this is the psychotic penguin who just you know murders someone. Uh, mm-hmm. The one good thing about that Gotham TV show was how murderous penguin. Was. Yeah, it so was I murderous. the fact that he's a rich dude in Gotham though, I felt like this story was just trying to put Mister Worth over him. That mm-hmm. like penguin needs Mister Worth more than the other way around. Because I I like the idea that Oswald Oswald Cobblepot is kind of still respected because he's an old Gothamite and he comes from an old family but kind of people talk about him behind his back more than anything and this was just like oh no they're straight up disrespectful you yeah know? i mean because this was all about how he's not seen as the threat he once was and what he sees in mr worth is someone like him it's someone who is more of a mm-hmm. mob boss someone who has that sort of aura and strength and the the henchman and all the rest of it and sees oh hey this is someone that i can form something with so it was really just that, okay, this is why he's motivated to get involved with them. And as it, and because of that, it actually felt like a very effective short story that yeah. helped the main story and sort of added to why he will be involved in some capacity going forward. That, this has definitely been the best use of the backups, this book in general, since it, since it started. The Huntress one may, maybe didn't need to be two parts, but other than that, like I, like it's definitely had the best sort of... I, I, that kind of made sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I like the Deb Donovan one last time a little bit more than this one, but you know, this one's not bad. It's just, it's I'll, fine. I'll put it this, yeah. I'll put it this like way. Fun. It's the only, it's the only backup I read this week. I didn't care about any of the other ones. That's probably true for me. No, I read this in one. read Justice League. Yeah. So I read, so yeah. I'm assuming Matt read Justice League backup. Yeah, well. of course. Yeah. But I mean, the point I'm making is that a lot of them just feel like superfluous extra stories, whereas this actually added a little bit to something that's going on in the main story. It's, it's interesting in terms of when these things get collected. Um, I ran into because uh, someone asked Ramvi, you know, on Twitter the other day, mm-hmm. what, what's the plan with the, the Just Sleep Dark backups? And he was saying he believes internally the current plan is they'll be collected in their own trade, which makes a lot of sense for that. But then mm-hmm. things like this you probably want to include them in the main book. Yeah, I would include these in the main book. But book. would you include them like just at the end of the issue as they are here, or would you separate them so it flows better just your um, story to story? I think, I mean, you, I, I think you, you have to have some of them. Some, like, uh, the two Huntress ones I'd probably put together in between two issues, yeah. but I think this one has to go after that Penguin tease. Like, I don't think yeah. you would put this at the end yeah. of the trade. It'd feel kind and of I, weird. I would put the, the, the last one too, because it, it set up the whole stuff with Mr. Worth. And it's true. How he helped, yeah. You know, it's, so, yeah, especially if uh, the next issue of this, which may be in the same trade, of course, like has something with more penguin in it, it would feel weird to have this at the end after there's been more of his involvement. Yeah, so. it's going to be interesting to see what they do because, like, 
As we uh, just leave that what we know. There's there's probably enough of an audience for trades for that, considering it had an ongoing book for years. But then you get to like the ones in Superman, which the the, the Jimmy Olsen backups. Right. Like I don't know if that's gonna get a trade. Yeah, is that gonna get its own trade? Like I I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no idea. Uh, yeah. uh, but the backup was by Megan uh, Fritz Martin and Carol Muster on the art. So, uh, just just for the record. Yeah, Fitzmaine's the one doing the uh, the Tim Drake stuff coming up. Okay, okay. Uh, so, yeah, that's very good. That was a nice, a nice additional story that benefited the uh, the the main ongoing stuff. So, uh, which is honestly the best use of a backup to me, unless it's just a really good like ten page story, which it could be. But let's be honest, most of the time they tend not to be. <laughs> they tend to be kind of just add ons. So, Matt, what are you giving the backup? Uh, I'm gonna give it a seven. Like it's it's fine. Six point five. I'm also giving it a seven. I, but I like. <laughs> Matt sounds so like defeated to give something a seven. <laughs> yeah. So I think rating things is kind of dumb. So that's how I do it. <laughs> yeah, but why do you sound enthusiastic about a nine then? Uh, because that means that. I really liked it. <laughs> I mean, if I could, I'd give everything a nine or, or I mean, a ten or a seven. My, but my scale goes from seven to ten, and that's about it. Yeah. Unless it's uh. GRGRR. Really yeah. That was yeah. And then it drops. Then he's busted at the fours. That's here's the thing. Like the minuses for Matt. <laughs> yeah, here's here's the thing. If I'm still reading it, I'm probably still liking it even, you know, a little bit. So, you know, because if I don't like something, I just stop reading it. We all know that is just not true, Matt. No. There there's, are countless there's... examples over the past five, six years of you reading things you dislike. Right, but now I've stopped. So, like, there's stuff that, you know, that I just won't read. All right, let's move on. Let's move like, on. Like, We're moving like on! Academy. We're moving <laughs> on! You're not reading the Shazam book then, Matt? No. <laughs> We're moving on. Next up. Superman, 32, Philip K. Johnson and Scott Godlewski mm-hmm. on the art. Uh, I will say, this was definitely a victim of, because especially since this one got delayed, where I opened yeah. it and went, Oh, what the hell was going on in this book? Because <laughs> I don't remember. I got that thing. It came back to me as I read it. Don't get me wrong. It did come back to me. But there was a couple of pages where I'm like, okay, I, I do remember them, but on this alien planet. But I could not have told you for the life of me what the plot of the last two issues were. Yeah, it took me a little bit as well. Uh, but I remember this. But I also love uh, Superman. So it's a little bit different. Are you trying to say me and Pete don't love Superman? No, but like I'm gonna tend to remember what's going on more in Superman than I am in other books because I like you know, Superman's my character. So hmm. that's all. Sure. <laughs> I feel like we were disrespected a bit. I, I don't think that logic tracks for me, but we'll, we'll, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, so this reveals kind of what happened on this planet as the end of this little arc, which is is Taylor that's taken over next. Yeah, because we just talked about that yeah. being in a yeah. few weeks' time. Yep. Uh, so this is the last issue that Johnson's doing of Superman, uh, and it's technically the last issue of this Superman book because they're renaming it with an issue one. It's uh, Superman, Son of Kal El. Son of Kal El. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we get this idea that the actual spread of this alien entity that took over everyone was an accident. Uh, the mm-hmm. more scientific alien dude, he was like, hey, I've been studying it so that we can figure out how to fight them again. And the others were so like abhorrent about him even testing this that they, it kind of gets a little heed. 
and the orb with the entity in it gets smashed, and oh, whoopsie yeah. daisy, uh, this thing is now spread into the leader of this planet. How and, did that happen? Yeah, so that, that's kind of, we it, get this flashback, and that's it how it's definitely out. made me think that Clark overlooks people's negative aspects <laughs> uh, because this guy is not the hero that Superman thought he was, right? Like the entire culture on this alien planet is, you know, and when we get to action, it's very much Mongol, right? It's the strong, you know, the sun will subvert the the dad. So, you know, uh, but the son here was kind of a disappointment to the dad because he wanted to learn more sciencey stuff. Uh, and they had, they had trapped the, the entity. And yeah, so, um, and, and while he did, you know, usurp his dad, it was kind of an accident, right? Like, um, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's definitely not ready to lead. He's, this is not who no. he is versus everything else. No. Uh, so John's kind of fighting on his own. It's not too long, though, before Superman sort of fights his way out from inside the big, the big, you know, mm-hmm. monster suit or whatever this thing's now operating. Uh, his true form, perhaps. So, mm-hmm. and they fight together. There's a lot of action. And I think this is where this arc has been kind of a bit more lukewarm for me versus the rest of Johnson's stuff with the characters. Mm-hmm. Is is that it has felt a little bit like ah oh, the fight is just kind of you know you know I said this but I think it, I said this about the last issue is that the fight is just kind of whatever there. yeah it's there yeah it's that's a good there. example it's not the arse bad or yeah. it's just there's just no. nothing that exciting about it I, I I appreciate a lot of nice dynamic layouts yeah yeah I like Godlewski a lot but these aliens are weirdly shaped and so it kind of makes like when they may not not the main aliens but whatever this was again they're kind of like a nano cloud. Almost right. Yeah, I mean. So the, when they make up the the thing that fell, it's kind of half them and half robot, like exosuit. So yeah. it just makes for weird angles on stuff. Yeah, I mean the big thing from this issue really, other than they just defeat the thing and they win and that's it, is that John can do something Superman can, which is that he can alter the 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 wavelength of his heat vision into different uh-huh. types of energy. Which is a very interesting I little like quirk. It. Yeah, it's just it's funny because it's not really a new power per se. It's just like a slight oh. tweak to something that you can already do. Yeah, just to give and it a little it, bit of flavor. Because he's half human, is it because that's just John being able to flex different muscles? It, right? It's like, is this him being able to wiggle his ears and Clark just can't? I mean, right? I, I mean, that's going to really silly explanation yeah, but I, you know I, mean? I, I would perhaps suggest that this is maybe something to do with the fact that either because he's half human mm-hmm. uh, perhaps because he's kryptonian but he's literally been on earth since birth at right. least up until he left mm-hmm. or i could argue that his time in different parts of the the universe yeah. is actually what's contributed to these changes because he spent time under a variety of different suns and it's kind sure. of affecting him differently i could argue that sure Maybe my guess, but that was that was my big takeaway. That was the big thing to set up. Uh, otherwise, yeah, it's a fine I, I, issue. No, I, I I did like that. It you know yeah, it felt very John Carter of Mars, with with the creatures and whatnot, and then you know status quo gets reset there towards the end. Um, but it was a nice John and and Clark adventure, I thought. Uh, and John gets to save the day, and the fact that they're calling him John L. I there's something about that name that I just I dig. Um, you don't hear it too often. 
So it's the kind of thing where I think it's well written enough, and I, you know, the dialogue between them, the the narration, which is like Superman, like talking mm-hmm. to John, but you know, after the fact, so it's all kind of in hindsight, and the sentiments that he sort of gives him of, of you know, you will be the Superman that everyone yeah. looks up to and looks back at one day, just like you kind of see me as yeah. right now. And, those, those sentiments. And, all right, let me finish my point. Those sentiments are are fine and they're they're sweet and they're they're good, but I do think that this three issue arc could have probably been like. <laughs> One issue. <laughs> I, I think the reality is it was probably going to be a two issue art, mm-hmm. and then they knew they needed an extra month till the Taylor book started, and they were like, "Can you, can you stretch, stretch it, stretch it a little bit?" I mean, it, they could yeah. have just had a month off because it's effectively a new book starting. I mean, yeah, could... but do you really think DC wants to go a month without selling the Superman book when they could break in money for a Superman? Why is book? Matt making so much desk noise today? What I think hell? he's doing um, it just to annoy you today. No, 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 for reals, that was my cat. Uh, jumping up on the back of my desk and knocking over something. Okay. So, yeah, she she jumped up to reach to hit a cord, and it knocked down one of my uh, Han Solo figures I have on my desk. So, yeah. To be fair, cats are the worst. So they, they I, are. I, I believe I, this. I love my cat, but she can be a real pain in the ass sometimes. But what I was going to say when, when Pete was making this point, I do like the fact that the dynamic between the the alien father and son, this whole, he didn't want to be like his dad. He didn't want to follow in that footsteps. And then you have John who, not that he doesn't want to, but he's afraid he'll never live up to it. And Clark looking at him and go, Oh no, you're going to be better than me. You're going to be the Superman that, you know, everyone talks about, you know, even more so than me, because, you know, you have everything, you know, about me plus, you know? So I, I do like the dynamic there between the two sets. And I think Johnson really, really nails that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm just going to look warm on it. I don't really have much more to add. Mm-hmm. I mean, the art's obviously solid. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the characterizations are solid. But that's pretty much it. Yeah. I, it's you know, it's kind of just what it is. Uh, anything to add? Mm-hmm. Anyone? No, it's, no? it's good. Yeah. Cool. You know? I'm, I'm glad it's over. But, I'm, I'm kind of forward to starting the Taylor stuff. Yeah, I'm kind of glad it's over. Because I, I, I kind of forgot what this book was doing. I couldn't remember what the last couple were about. And then I opened it and went, oh, it was this stuff, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm a lot more excited by the stuff going on in action, which I'm sure For we'll sure. get to yeah. shortly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's I'm glad that that's the book that Johnson's keeping out of the two. Yep. I, I also think that because action is the, the actual book that he's sticking with, I think it does make this little arc clear as well that it's it's kind of... It feels like this book was always just, uh, just can you just write a couple of arcs just to, just so we've got a yeah. Superman book for I mean, a couple of months? I remember us saying like, oh, I like we like Johnson, but I wish that someone else was writing one of the other books, and it almost was like that was the plan, but for whatever reason, he's like, oh, oh me, it, I, it, it clearly was. Story. It was clearly yeah. it, that was clearly the plan, but for whatever reason, they they couldn't start the other proper book until you know July. Sch- so. Schedules just didn't line up clearly. So it was like, hey, yeah. do, do a three-issue arc in Superman first, <laughs> please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I like to think, too, that Taylor's characterization of John in Deceased is what kind of got him over the hump to get writing John in the Superman book. That wouldn't surprise that's when me. Think, when you think about it, that's a pretty bold move on DC's part, you know, to have Giving just John... one of the highest-respected creators. No, just to take the Superman book and move Superman just to action, like, you know, uh, and have his son 
take on. I, I feel mean, like, like that was an editorial decision rather than uh, any one creator's choice. Right, and that's what I'm saying. That's a bold move on DC's part to mm. to just do that, and then you put give it Tom Taylor, and it seems like a no brainer, right? But I do feel like what's going to ease it is if you've read Deceased, you know how he's characterized John. You don't have to worry about much, you know. At least that's how I feel. Yeah. Uh, all right. What are you rating the main story, Matt? Uh, this is an eight point five. Uh, ah, six point five for me, I think. Connor. Oof. Oh, I'm seven. Okay. Uh, well, Matt, you read the backup, so if you want to give us a quick I rundown did. of that. So it's it's more of the same stuff with uh, Bibbo and then the people in Travels and Loose Cannon. If you remember last time, Loose Cannon went rogue because Projectress, you know, has, has clouded his mind with stuff. And so they, you know, the basically the Metropolis B team comes up with a plan and basically use Bibbo as bait for her and that they realize her power is based off of like this dust that she uses to make people see what she wants. And that without the light reflecting the dust, she has no power. So they get this uh, other hero who I literally have never seen before named Arakta. Where's, where's my action or my Superman? Um, and they move through shadows. So it's almost like who is that member of Justice League Dark back in the New 52 um, that could move between the shadows. Oh, man, I can't even remember. But anyways, a lot like a lot like her. Um, and there seems to be a little bit of flirting between um, Bibbo and, and her, which is nice because he's kind of had his heart broken by Projectress. Uh, but Lou's Cannon's there, and when uh, they're able to basically wipe out her power because Bibbo knocks out the lighting... Um, he comes to a senses and basically they defeat her. Uh, and at the end, Jimmy basically says, you know, um, you know, we, we can't be afraid of darkness around us. Sometimes it shows us what we need. And kind of like, like this little heroes club going on now um, with Bibbo kind of at the front. And he tells Jimmy, you did a good job leading us. Um, and he goes, you know, do you think Superman would be proud of us? And Jimmy looks up into the sky with Bibbo, and there's a red streak that goes through it. And he goes, yeah, I think that he would have been. And that's just kind of how it ends, you know. Bibbo comes to terms with, with this lady never really was going to be a, an option, right? Like, And that the B team of Metropolis kind of can band together when necessary when Superman's busy. But it, and it was nice. I'm Seems like it's over, so I don't know what's going to be if there isn't, if there even is going to be a backup when Taylor takes over, but there you know, was a nice... little bit of unclearness on that in the solicits yeah. before. I didn't read them close enough gotcha. this time to check. But yeah, so but this this was the end definitively, and you know I'm I'm just kind of glad because this does feel like filler. So you know earlier in the show, Connor was bringing up how they're going to put Justice League Dark in to its own trade. I don't necessarily know if this is ever going to be collected somewhere because, like, it does. I can it see, is one solid story, but I could see them putting it at the end of the trade, but all together, so it's not interrupting the flow yeah, of the story. It'll be like maybe, a bonus thing yeah, at the very end. I, I can't see this trade selling much. No, on its own. not by no. itself. You know, whereas I feel like Justice League Dark's its own brand. You know, Tales of Metropolis, unless they were going to spin a book out of it, which I don't think they are. You know, um, but like, it's fine. The art's there. The Basri's is decent. I, if this was just a Bibbo backup, I'd be fine. 
but it just seemed like everybody got their own turn towards the end. Um, and Jimmy's just kind of there, so it's not even really the Jimmy Olsen backup. Um, but I mean, if they want to do Tales of Metropolis starring Bibbo, I'm gonna buy it. I love Bibbo. Uh, but yeah, so um, I, I'd give this a, a 6.5, and also just to prove you guys that I just don't give sevens through <laughs> nights. Um, but yeah. I love how you, to prove you didn't give anything alone a seven, you went the highest you possibly could yeah. <laughs> under a seven. Yeah. All right. Wonder Woman 774, Becky Clunan with Michael Conrad. Uh, you guys read this, so take it away. Yeah. Um, uh, different artists this time as well. Uh, yeah. I'm just going to get the name. Uh, it was uh, Andy McDonald. Yeah. Who is fine it's not more right it felt like um, a step down it's not it's not terrible art it's, it's really not bad no. but it just didn't it's feel it's not as, my as kind good. of art though um no we had like really nice clean art for the last art yeah and it was really strong and stylized and this is a bit more uh line heavy kind of shaded yeah. it, it's scratchier it, it's it's fine also it's good. when we get to the point where wonder woman ties up a uh another god it felt very uh, kinky, for, for lack of a better term. Just the way that he's tied up. In um, their defense, that is Wonder Woman from the start, right? I understand that. However, God that she doesn't know, a uh, little, little bit weird to go with the the whole collar and, and front tie kind of vibe. I just wanted to point that out with the art. Like, I don't feel like that was in the script. I could be wrong. It, it, it probably wasn't, but again, I feel like that's more yeah. of a, just a, a homage to Wonder Woman's past. Kind of sure. Being um, full of that stuff, but like just, it, the first decade of her existence. Right. So, a um, little disappointed now that we're out of Valhalla and the tone has kind of shifted. This is more typical of Wonder Woman kind of stuff because we're dealing with the Greek gods. But we're also getting a little bit of the Roman gods in there. And well, yeah, it's just the one. Yeah, but I feel like we're, we're leading to more of them. And if you know your Greek and Roman mythology, you'll know that one gave way to the other. And, you know, they're mostly the same. However, the Roman ones are a lot more militaristic and aggressive than the Greek gods, right? And, and with worse names. Yeah. Um, well, let's just name them all after planets. Do you think we named the planets after the gods, Connor? Uh, some of them. Yeah, so, some I mean, of them the... the gods were named after the planets because it's like you know some of those planets were discovered by the Greeks, and then the Romans were like, well, we need names for our gods, and it's the, right. the planets gave them the names because the Greeks had already <laughs> named some of those planets. I, I I understand that, and like you have Venus, the Morning Star, but I'm talking about like. You start getting to the far ones that you need full on telescopes and the you know no I'm talking the 15, like 1600s. I'm, I'm talking like Mars, right? But Which... you can see from from Earth and on yeah. a clear night, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. But I feel like, anyways, <laughs> we're we're getting lost here. But so, um, we basically find out that when Wonder Woman ascended she was meant to go to olympus but she couldn't because a roman god was already on the pantheon in her spot now why that is is part of the longer larger mystery but we find out that this other god that was there was janice who yes. 
Technically, is God the God of Two Faces. God of Two Faces, duality, and usually, you know, described in, in art that's found of that time is literally someone with a face in the front and the back, right? Think, think, think Voldemort at the end of the first Harry Potter film. Right. Here, though, this Janus is almost two beings that share a body, and through the retelling of Janus is the dark version of one woman that we kept being teased through the Valhalla arc, right, went on a tear and wrecked Olympus. And according to this this other version of Janus that's telling the story, who looks like your typical Roman kind of god, beard, tunic. Yeah, I, I assume toga. that they still share a body and had, like, two yeah. faces, because there's a big, like, gaping hole in his back and Added sort of, like, torn him. flesh. Yeah, right. but it looks like they had a body coming out of the back as well. Right. And that basically this dark version of Janice, who took the form of Wonder Woman, uh, destroyed Olympus. And now, you know, Wonder Woman has to figure out why exactly didn't she ascend to, to uh, Olympus as she was meant to, being that she's a demigod already. Um, and so she goes to Dead Man to get his perspective. Um, yeah. And Dead Man's, uh, what's he doing with Xanadu? Is he doing? He is it a card game? It, I think it was, yeah. Yeah. It was nothing like important. No. Uh, but she pulls him back to the realm of the gods. Um, and let me see where to go from here. That, that's where they go I, to the graveyard. That they go to the graveyard of the gods, which we get a real cool version of Tartarus, and that we find out that uh, Diana's put a lot of the people in Tartarus. Makes so sense. you know they they take this this cool little esc or escalator elevator down, and she's seeing all of these people there, um, including Kronos, which I think is uh, a big thing, because Kronos is time, right? Yeah, Kronos um, in 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 a lot of versions of mythology mm -hmm. is kind of banished Tartarus by right. Zeus and the others. Right, Kronos. So, um, they get down there, they enter the graveyard of the gods, and uh, it gets real trippy. Because there's a, a who looks like because I had just read this a couple months ago, uh, Kanshu from uh, from Marvel, you know, version of that bird-headed. Um, oh, is this okay. meant to be? Yeah. Right. Is this is this meant to be the ferryman? Is this? Uh, I don't know. He's holding the lantern as if he Chiron. Is. Right. I've never seen Chiron look like this before, though. Me neither. So uh, that's who's waiting for him. Um, and yeah, they're gonna go out. I also did like the person standing guard at yeah, the, it's, um, it's an Jason. old warrior, Jason. I'm I'm assuming uh, of the Argonauts. That's what I'm thinking. That, that uh, was and, my assumption. And, right, and <laughs> Dead Man's there. Uh, clearly, he knows him. Yeah, Tells him yeah. go forth. You'll find what you seek, but you will fail. But you will fail never to return again. He goes, thanks, Jay. Always a pleasure. Yeah, a uh, little bit of fun. But yeah, so. While it feels not... like a real transitory issue of just like, yeah. okay, let's kind of set things back up. Let's start yeah. this arc. It's a, it's a slow start for the arc, though. It's, not... no, it's kind of missing the novelty that the Valhalla stuff had where you had Wonder Woman in an unfamiliar yeah. setting. I, right? I'm still enjoying what it's doing with Ratosk. Mm -hmm. I think that stuff's yeah. getting more interesting. I'm the idea that gonna... it's, it's her fault that she went to Asgard uh, and, right. and like, you know, was to you know, to save the tree and, you know, like, right. you know, that was kind of thanks to him. Right. 
I also am not trusting Ratatosk because just the way that they he talks to, to Janice wouldn't surprise me that there's a trickster at play here. You know, whether it's Loki or one of the other. Yeah, you know, she seems we'll to meet. Diana seems to think he, he's referring to Hermes. Yeah. Uh, I'm not entirely convinced. Hermes or Mercury or there's so many different tricksters. It could be Coyote from the Native American, you know, traditions. There's still the potential that we're playing with Loki, given that we did just right. set up a bunch of, you know, Asgardian, Asgardian stuff. stuff. And I, I feel that's hilarious, given the synergy of the Loki show being on as this is coming out, you know, talking about variants and whatnot. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but no, like, it's it's fine. It's still like, a I'm solid not... issue. It's it's yeah. a solid issue. It's just nothing amazing. It's nothing standout. No, no I'm still going to keep going on this one. Um, yeah, me too. But yeah, just her back on Olympus, I was just kind of like, okay, we've kind of seen this kind of stuff before. Um, and, you know, when you have the whole realm of the gods and her, you know, going through here, you just kind of want to see something new. At least I do. I'm going to see Connor here. But yeah. I'm curious to see how, if the Roman gods are involved, how she interacts with them. If it's any different, like, like, would she get along with Mars versus Ares? Right? Because they are different like they're similar they but... are different yeah mm -hmm. so you know and, and just kind of the beat on chronos uh there like we really focus on him um and almost as like that's to me i read that as the clock's ticking right that's who she put in there right um, it felt intentional being like yeah why single out him of the people that were there like are we right. going to be playing with him at some point in in the right. upcoming arcs mm -hmm. so but uh, so rating, I'm gonna give this a seven point five. I'm just gonna go with a straight seven. There you go. Oh, and of course we didn't didn't read the backup, so let's nope. keep keep that theme going. Okay. All right. The Justice League issue sixty three. Brian Michael Bendis writing with David Marquez on the art. It is worth mentioning, I did uh, not have this on the list at the start of the show, and no one noticed. Mm -hmm. I just want to point that out. I realized there, halfway there was through. The missing one. Uh, but no worries, I remembered. <laughs> I mercifully didn't have to read this, so that, yeah. that's why I didn't know it. I'll yeah. just say, I can't wait to talk about Justice League Dark. So we'll, uh, sure. which I, I didn't read either yet, Matt. So yeah, that's okay. I, I'm gonna have to wait for the trade now. Yep, that's okay. Break out the violins, ahead, break out the violins. Cora can play violin, we should just play his own violin, his own sad song. Cora, uh, can you play violin? <laughs> it's wow. literally the instrument that you learn music on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, not... I, I started playing violin when I was six been... or seven. I knew you were a music dude. I did not realize violin was your that was that, That's uh, that, that's my primary, yeah. Gotcha. Did not know this. I've, I've recorded with you for going on however many years now. Too long. And now I'm finding this out. No, I played for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. mm. All right. Get out the violin, Connor, and play yourself off. <laughs> <laughs> See you all next week, folks. <laughs> so, yes. All right, go, go ahead. Tell me how you enjoy Justice League. Oh, that sounds like a negative uh, yeah. tangent or tinge to the, the tone. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Naomi wakes up in the Hall of Justice, and we kind of get all these, you know, Black Canary comes in and asks her how she is. They kind of talk about the incident that went down, and we flash back to how they left the other world which is basically 
Naomi went to Zambada, and there was a giant mass release of energy. She kind of lost control, went supernova, effectively. Or at least, in combination with him, went supernova. Might be a more accurate uh, description. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some fights and two-page layouts. Uh, if there's one thing I'll criticize these Bendis books for, is that they have this nasty habit of having, like, four double-page spreads back-to-back, or double-page layouts back-to-back, oh, which is kind of annoying, that's to be honest. What- yeah, that's what we said last time. Yeah. Um, that Marquez, however, it is beautiful, but they're in succession. Yeah. Um, it, it just makes them feel kind of like a little less impactful because it, they're just back-to-back. That's, that's also what we said last time. It, it was, <laughs> so, okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's still true. We were reading as we were talking, so it's yes. fine. It's yeah. still true. Uh, so, Batman... Oh, that's right, I didn't talk about it last time because I was too busy reading mm-hmm. Swamp Thing, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Batman steals the, uh, the the magic doohickey that, uh, what's his name? Bur- Brutus? Brutus, thank you, that was good. And, and McMurph <laughs> created? Yeah. So, what they use to like, get into Earth in the first place, get into our, our Earth, and basically, as they're leaving, this is the thing that really stuck out to me, is that Brutus seemingly gets eviscerated by Black Adam on the way out, where he's like, hey, you, <laughs> you pissed us off. So, mm-hmm. uh, now he doesn't actually get killed, though. He is alive later on. He's lying weak and on the ground, and it, if you think that Zimbardo might kill him, but he kind of leaves him alive to be his henchman. Uh, and for the, him and the other one to, like, build this thing again, even though it took years and lots of resources to find a way to get to, get to like, you know, Earth Zero. But, he wants to go back. He wants to go back and claim his new Earth. So that's kind of that. The rest of the issue, though, is the Justice League talking with Naomi and trying to establish the plan. Her, she's asking, when can we go back? I feel like I need to help them. And I did like this part where Superman talks about the pool. Like, one, once you're aware that there's other worlds out there of people that are suffering and you want to help them, and even more so in this case because it's your world, it's your people. And there's a, probably one of my favorite moments of the whole book is there's a panel where when she calls it her world, and Clark's just sort of standing behind her, and it's just a, it's just in the art, his reaction to this, where he kind of understands it in this way, because he has his own world too, which is separate from Earth. Uh, so he kind of relates to her. It's, it's so funny because Naomi's whole story, her book, was about how she saw something special in Superman, and there was so many comparisons to Superman being this orphan from mm-hmm. another world. I think it's funny that here in this issue, it's flipped it. And she's talking about something, and Superman's relating to her through the 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 other side of that mirror image. So I I kind of like that. Um, and that's basically it. Other than uh, Black Adam saying uh, being offered a role in the Justice League by Superman, and he even kind of has a moment with uh, Hippolyta, where Hippolyta is about to leave, and he says that he he hopes Hippolyta can see the good in him again before he flies off. Effectively, maybe implying that he does have intentions of trying to kind of have a more public persona and maybe shed some of the the more villainous side that people see him as and regain some of his honor in some people's eyes uh, and the issue ends with basically yeah naomi is kind of part of the justice league and she flies off home because she has to go home and see her parents <laughs> and that's it so it kind of wraps up what this first little arc has been but clearly it is not the end of the villains from her world coming through uh this has been a primer for what the 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 main part of that story is going to be. Although I'm not convinced that will be that arc number two. I feel like it's going to do something else for an arc and then probably come back to that. Maybe mm-hmm. with that bubbling up in the background. Yeah. Uh, also, I like uh, Green Arrow basically telling Batman, hey, uh, you're you're cash poor right now. I, I got this. Oh, you're right, yes. That was uh, also I'm going to bankroll. 
I thought that was pretty pretty funny. Yeah, he's pay, he's paying uh, for all the employees at the Hall of Justice and the maintenance yeah. right now. <laughs> Keep, keeping it going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I I liked it well enough. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I know you're about to say why you didn't like mm. it, but <laughs> I, mm. I I wouldn't say I didn't like it. I would say I overliked it. I would say it's you know perfectly readable. It's very bend to say for better and for worse. Uh, yeah. So, how were your feelings on the... Yeah, so, again, I love Naomi. I gotta caveat this with, I love Naomi as a character. That first arc, still, or that first mini, fantastic. I just feel here, I Bendis is not giving me a reason outside of her superpower set why she needs to be on the Justice League. Right? Like... I just feel like he's throwing her in there because that's his character. He's writing the book. And, you know, I, I get the stuff with Superman and, and how she was inspired by him. And then you point out that he's inspired by her a little bit here. But like, I don't know. I feel like she's being shotgunned onto the justice league and we'll, well see if, I think if this goes, there's an import, the important distinction here. I think needs to be made yeah. is that, and this doesn't necessarily change the complaint necessarily, mm-hmm. but I think it's important right. to point this out that it's not so much just that she's been shotgunned onto the team. It's because the entire plot right now, the villains, mm-hmm. it's all about her world. It's about the villains from her world. Right. It's all connected through her. So I would say that it's more that the Justice League are being included in this arc of Naomi. It just happens to be called Justice League. Right. But so for it to be called Justice League, and not Naomi, I still feel like she's just the MacGuffin. It's kind of and, bizarre how Bendis was writing Young Justice for like two years and didn't throw Naomi onto the Young Justice team. Where... She did. Well, she, she did appear in it. She wasn't. No, 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 appeared, but like as a main member where yeah, she, arguably she's a better fit for than, than Justice League, right? I, in my opinion, I, I agree with that. And again, I want more Naomi stuff, but I just feel the inclusion of the Justice League here is just almost, it's too many spinning plates, you know, like, and especially with when you have the Marquez art and you have all of these fight things going on and all those little bubbles, I was kind of losing track here and I, I kept forgetting like, oh yeah, this is Naomi's home planet and there's a lot going on here and there's a whole lot of mysteries that he seeds you know like why don't uh black adam and superman's powers work right but black canaries is supercharged i mean uh, tons of people's are supercharged hers, hers was just more right. like imp- you know, like because she right. even says she misses the supercharged canary cry whereas the others right. are the powers are just all and in the so, threats that it's unmanageable right you know and you know, all that type of stuff and i just again i feel like it's it's Naomi co-opting the Justice League and not that Justice League needs to be this, you know, flagship series for DC. Just that I... I it's kind of, I would like a, a nice, clean Justice League story that's not just... I feel like you you pointed it out perfectly, better than I could, that this is Naomi featuring the Justice League. I feel, I feel yeah. like this is the sort of thing as well, like, where if this was, like, the fourth arc of Bendis' mm-hmm. run, just, you know, hypothetically... Mm-hmm. Your fourth art, you're doing a Naomi thing. You go, okay, that's fine now. But when you start, like you know, th- there was nothing of his Justice League before this. It was just Naomi from the start. I think, I mean, the fair disappointment well, that I would agree with is that 
you see Bendis on Justice League, you see some of the team books he's, he's had before, you're hoping for that sort of special Bendis run on the book. And I think the inclusion of Black Adam and Apollo and Green Adam and Black Canary felt like, oh, he's building a very unique team. Mm-hmm. It feels like it might be a special new era for Justice League. So the fact that it does feel more like Naomi Season 2 that happens to also star the Justice League is a bit of a weird feeling. And because this end of this arc just feels like it's only planted seeds to come back to this... Well, mm-hmm. whether that's in the second, very second arc or further down the line, it feels like, oh, this is what this run's really about, rather than being a just a full-on Justice League run. Is Naomi sticking around as part of the team? Seems I like think it. That's how yeah. I feel okay. because they basically have they've all agreed, and I and I like this again. I feel like she's shotgun, but she's they've all agreed kind of to mentor her because she's so lost, right? Like she's. You know, she has the issues with her planet and and wanting to go back there, but she has no idea how to use her powers because they're so on and off. I did, and I did so like I, I did like the uh, like all of them basically say they'll try they'll chime in and help train her. Like you know, Aquaman yeah, says you'll join which, in and stuff. That was kind of neat. Which I like that, but but for her for her basically to be a Justice League mentee versus a full on member, especially with how. We don't understand how her powers work. She doesn't understand how her powers work. They're kind of on the fritz. Like, I, I again, there's other young heroes that I feel that are, are more ready. How come every young, powerful hero isn't given the same slot Naomi is? Because you they're know? not all written by Bendis. Exactly. And, that, that's, and I just feel like, too, this is every book he's written, he's thrown Naomi in at some point action it's, well, it's, it's, it's a weird thing because unlike those books this book is constructed to where she is vital to it because she's vital to it because right. the entire plots are revolving around the enemies from her world coming to right. the earth which kind of makes it worse right okay kind of yeah it, it, it's kind of why i'm saying that it's not that the complaint's invalid but i think the complaint has to be reworded slightly because it's not so much that she's been shotgunned in into a story that she shouldn't be included in it's more that the entire thing is constructed to be a naomi story uh, with Justice League just I being just, a part of it. You know, I think there's a distinct it, it difference feel, in that. It feels was... like perhaps Bendis was like, how do I make Naomi sell more? I know. <laughs> I make yeah, I call much. the next Naomi book Justice League and her sales will triple. Right, but I don't even feel like that because sometimes she doesn't feel like the main character. Well, she's not. I mean, she's know? not. I mean, she's not always the main character. I mean, they still try at least try right. to pretend to be an ensemble book. And this is the thing. Right. I mean, for all I know, she might be the lead character in the next issue. She might mm-hmm. be on the cover. I can't remember the solicit. But it wouldn't surprise me if she is gone for a couple of issues here. The way she sort right. of leaves to go and home if... to see her parents, like she could be gone for a couple of issues, and we could get like a little two-parter or something. That's you know just a little fun Justice League story. I don't know. I, mean, I, I, I don't, I don't I know that. Stuff tying I... into Checkmate next. I, I vaguely remember well, that being. A thing. That's the one book she hasn't showed up in yet. Yeah. <laughs> give, it time. give it time though but yeah i mean i don't know i, well, I really on. do like was she in legion what? no but that i mean that was a mess so <laughs> you, yeah but you don't just get to say that and that, that discounts no, it but... that was a thousand years away yeah and john was there it was so... time traveling though they could they could but find I'm the sure, way <laughs> i'm sure given enough time naomi would have showed up and they would have given her a legion name, which I actually kind of would have liked, because then hmm. she'd get a code name, and we just don't call her her first name, you know. Uh, I'm trying to think of a good name for her, because I don't even exactly know what her powers are either. Like, there's still so much mystery to the character, and it's very frustrating, you know, because in just the way that the story starts here, like 
it's the old Bendis. All right, well, we'll start, you know, we won't start at the cliffhanger. We'll jump forward and then we'll go back. And I know they're energy based, but I don't know exactly what they are. Pete, do you know what they are? No, it was. <laughs> Naomi's yeah. powers. Oh, powers. powers. Okay. Uh, her powers are. Ah, those energy. <laughs> she has blasts yeah, of energy. Exactly. I mean, so just. I'm yeah, not like I, I like I'm not fussed about the definition of her powers. Like if if the whole idea is she's kind of a, a weird junior member, well they train her, like I think that's a fine concept. But the book is designed around it being all around her lore. Which whatever. I, I the funny thing about this is that the more time goes on, the more Bendis' time at DC overall looks like it's a like a bit of a disappointment overall. Because mm-hmm. the checkmate's very good. Giant, Le- you know, or Leviathan was very good. And Checkmates, you know, looking promising enough. Um, but there's been definitely caveats to everything. Young Justice was kind of disappointing, and ultimately just didn't feel like it was up too much. Is, is, um, Legion... is Naomi the one thing that you know that that, first, that was like the the one hit? And Leviathan, I'd say that's uh, those okay, are the two things I really liked. But so and, and, really... and large portions of action, to be fair, there was definitely parts early in the Superman stuff that I really really yeah, liked. Cause... Yeah, it went, so it, went, then, it went a bit wonky as it went on, but yeah. yeah, yeah. Superman for the most part, I think, is my that and the first Naomi mini are my two favorite things he's done. Uh, the Leviathan stuff is is pretty good. But, Teen Titans or, or Young Justice started okay and then just felt superfluous. But, and then the funny thing is though yeah. is that for all of these these books, there's been sort of like hype going into them because like, oh, it's going to be a Bendis Young Justice book where it's going to make Young Bendis. Justice big. Or it's yeah. going to be the Return of Legion. It's going to be big. Or he's doing Justice League, and it's oh, this is a really cool looking roster. It's going to be big, and because that each of those have kind of and this is not this is bad. Like I think this is very readable, but it's not a special mm-hmm. new era of Justice League by any means. It's not that mm-hmm. at all. So there yeah. is kind of this now lingering thing where I'm kind of expecting to be mildly disappointed with whatever Bendis gets attached to mm-hmm. at DC now. But Which, see, stupid me goes into it going, "Oh man, Bendis writing Ollie. I've always wanted to hear him because." Street level heroes Bendis just nails, and like his Ollie's fine, but it's not—he's not almost a main character, mm-hmm. and it's more Apollo, Naomi, and Black Adam is who he's chosen to focus on right now. Um, which weird flex for a Justice League book, but I'm gonna keep reading, give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, but I feel like now I'm mainly buying the book for Justice League Dark, not for Bendis' Justice League, because if they had spun Justice League Dark out on in its own book. I would easily buy that before I buy this, you know. And that's a weird spot for a backup. Yeah, I mean, I find it very readable still, even if it's not like the best thing ever. I mean, it, but notably because I am enjoying so much of what I'm reading right now, it is kind of mm-hmm. lower on the ranks. But it's yeah. still it's still better yeah. than the typical things that I'm kind of I teeter on and drop. I mean, so it's if if something catastrophic happened and I had to drop a bunch of books. I would not be upset about losing Bendis Justice League. You'd you just know? be upset not about like, losing Justice League Dark. I that one a little bit, but I would get over it. But not it's, this isn't Taylor's Nightwing or you know detect even Detective Comics, which I'm thoroughly enjoying right now. Oh yeah, Detective's way better than this. There's, there's no like, yeah, like you know, but it is kind of and it's not even a quality thing. It's just because again, it's fine if you like Bendis. I'm sure you'll you like this, but it. It isn't out of everything I read from him. This isn't his strongest by a mile. Oh, like man. I don't, I don't even think he's outside of some of the earlier Superman stuff and Naomi, the first mini. 
I don't think he's even touched any of his peak stuff. I I, I think here, uh, so. expectations with Bendis now are tempered, just sort of in general, yeah. and that's that's fair. Yeah. Uh, right. So I and you know what I feel the same about Johns, and I'm always on record saying Johns is my favorite writer. But over the last couple of years, outside of Doomsday Clock. All right, not not bad. okay, you're tangented off here. I'm wrapping this I'm up. Just saying. No, no, Out, yeah. Outside of Doomsday Clock, he's only really written the Batman I know. Uh, three jokers, I know. and that's it. But he always, he, always, yeah. he always spins out into a more general point about things in a large scope that don't but really I'm, have I'm any reference to what's going on in the conversation. But I'm just saying, it's not just Bendis, though. You know, I feel like some of our favorite writers, they're in a different phase than some of the other stuff that we're more excited for. Wow, what are you, you rating know? the story? So, Ah, 6.5. I concur with the 6.5. Okay. So what I'm guessing Five. Matt was saying is that... Don't guess what he was saying! All Just these younger writers on. that are coming through, the Williamsons, <laughs> the Rambees, you know, they're more exciting Taylor. than the old guard. Yeah, and I just feel that's that's comics, the cycle, right? Yeah. That's all. If you don't start up with Just Lead Dark right now, you're not going to. We're moving on. I mean, you're, you, if you want to deprive the listeners of a stellar Justice League Dark, be my guest. You can move on. Go on. I'm going to play chicken now. Go on. Do it. Hurry up. Okay. Yeah, he was never He was never going to follow through on that threat. Mm. So, I'm going uh, when it's done, because I'm going to mute this so I don't ruin it for myself. Yeah, there, there you go. Go ahead and mute it. So, um, they're in the library. There'll be no waving. And, uh, I'm just going to let him sit there quietly for the rest <laughs> of the episode. <laughs> He's going, this is a long Justice League Dark review. <laughs> you talking shit about so, me already? Yes, <laughs> not at all. I would never do such a thing. I just see, I just see laugh. If Pete's laughing, he's not listening yeah. to a damn thing Matt's here about Justice League Dark. That means this is about <laughs> me. Yes. So real, real, real quick, I'll be quick. So they're inside the Library of Babel, and they're talking with the librarian, and basically Constantine comes up with a fix out of this, where um, he ends up. Basic making a meta story about them finding the key to get out of the library. And you end up seeing the script for this issue of Justice League Dark um, with stuff crossed out and rewritten. And you're meant to believe this is Constantine writing it. Um, and real fun page with them actually standing on the script talking about how this is going to work. And how they end up out of it is Constantine pulls up the corner of the page... Uh, and it pulls them back into an, the actual library they started in. Um, but they're, they're, you know, Jason Blood uh, says that, because uh, they figure out that he's going to Atlantis, because that's the book that he pulled, and that they need to get word out to Aquaman. And Jason Blood says, like, this is all meaningless, because you don't know Merlin like I do. He's the smartest, most Machiavellian av adversary any of us has faced. Now he has his book, this is all pointless. He's going to do what he needs to do. Um, but, you know, he's always a thousand steps ahead. So let's use this uh, against him. And then it goes to the Tower of Fate with uh, Man Bat and Khalid basically trying to access Naboo because Naboo's, you know, not in the helm anymore. And there's this long spot of Man Bat talking about why this might not work. And uh, Kelly goes, wait, what do you mean it might not work? He goes, I'm a biologist who accidentally turned himself into a, a bat. I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, so it was just, just a little bit of fun there. 
and they end up firing, you know, all this energy into the helm. And Khalid gets visions, what looks like, I would say, like, uh, it says, standing in the sands of Ur, a great ziggurat looming on the horizon, which Ur is basically the Atlantis of the sands. It's, you know, there's stories about it that it had disappeared. You know, it's on the Saudi Peninsula. It's never been found. Uh, and then a vision of them standing at the Tower of Fate as it's being destroyed. And then a vision of a young woman at the doorstep of a great cathedral. And that's where it cuts to our knight that, you know, Merlin had stabbed and left for dead. Uh, her name's Elnara. She's in Gotham City at this church. And so she goes in uh, and there's some weird cult thing going on. Um, and it looks like they're working for Merlin or in order. Like they have swords. They're wearing red cloaks. Um and the main one says, so it seems like they're working against Merlin. Now upon second, right? Because as we suspected, the old man was speaking to someone on the outside. I'll handle him. Uh, she shows up, basically announces herself as Elnara Rastu, the 13th Oath Sworn. Um, and to basically, you know, cast aside your weapons because your reckoning's here. As she's doing this, Batman's overlooking and he smiles, to which it's to be continued. Um this is the this is Zermanico art, which uh, you know earlier in the show when we talked about Infinite Frontier, I just wish Zermanico could draw everything. I think current favorite artist working right now, I'd have to say. Um, so the book ends up looking fantastic, and just Ram B with what he's doing by breaking up the story into different chunks because uh, still don't know what Merlin's plans with Atlantis are, um, but here you know our our heroes having to try to stay steps ahead while he's even more uh and then just with the meta meta storytelling it's just you know fun to read and I, I look forward to this one every you know now it's every other week so that's nice uh so i'm gonna i'm gonna have just like dark at 8.5 robin issue three joshua elmson and gleb gleb melnikov on the art uh so <laughs> damien's try to learn how to be friendly and party with uh, love youths yeah. You gotta learn how to have friends. The Davy's like, I've had friends, and they're like, No, you kidnapped people and made <laughs> them be your friend. And I just love that vibe out of Rose because we know he has a friend in yeah, John. Yeah, there was no counter for John. But, <laughs> no, but when you think about it, yeah, like Aqualad was never his friend. He always treated Aqualad like his, you know, inferior. Like, no, you work for me. And I started thinking, I was like, Yeah. John really doesn't, or John, uh, Damien doesn't have any friends outside of John, and, and maybe Alfred, but Alfred's gone. He kind of uh, surprises I'd Rose, though. Way, he's not really friends with John anymore, either. The way he says it, you know, they grew up too fast. It's like, you know, yeah, he, he can't relate but, to John the same way that he could before. No, but I would still consider them friends based off of, you know... I think that's uh, a what, case what, what of, he, he says this now when he's not around, but the second he's in a room with John, I, I, I suspect... That's fair, what? but I think there is a, a a fair thing to say that the you know the the difference now, like in their experiences, is pretty significant at this point in their lives. That he's not sure that, that they are friends on the same level anymore. Well, I, that's that's Damien's own insecurities. Because if you were to ask John who his best friend is, well, yeah, obviously 100%. this is Damien's insecurities. It's, it's the Robin book we're talking about. Yeah, no, no well. I know. But what I'm saying is, um, what book was it, Pete, where they went and grabbed lunch together, and it was them sitting on the rooftop. Oh, I can't remember. 
Was it Robin Zero? Was it in that? No, I don't think so. I, I, no. I don't think was I've read this. The... Yeah, yeah no. I, I don't remember. But yeah, I know what you're talking about. Sure. I remember it happening, but I don't it, remember what it was in. Yeah, but it was almost like their last hurrah of like, we're going to go in two different directions, but we're always going to stay buds. If you ever need me, call me. So, But I, I did notice that too, Connor, where he said, you know, they grew up too fast. And I, I also feel it was a subtle dig from Williamson at, at that, you know. But through Damien's voice, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and Damien, of course, actually surprises Rose when he impresses everyone very quickly by just doing a little trick with some uh, throwing daggers. Uh, I, it, th- I thought... It's seen in Aliens. Well, no, no, it's not, because I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to right. be the bishop thing with a knife. But instead, he just throws all the knives up in the air, puts his hand down, and they all land in between his fingers. So and the cocky bastard decides to wink when he does it as well. Were, were they doing that game when he walked up? Because if you look at the dude's hands, it looks like yeah. they're moving quick. Okay. Um, so then he decides just to one-up them. Yeah, it's a variation on that, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely supposed to be still like that game. It's yeah. just Damien being like, I can do it better. Um, slowly, slowly having a lot of love for Flatline, just because she's so awkward. And that when they get talking about Batman... And how he beats up people. And, well, I mean, yeah, this is, this is, I think, the main thing of the issue. All and of course, the conversation with Connor Hawk is that, right. basically, as soon as he sort of starts to win the crowd over, all they mm-hmm. start doing is all talking about their experience with Batman. And it becomes about Batman. I, and Damien's and kind of overshadowed immediately. Well, and I, and I love, though, too, these are all arguments that I hear online about why Batman sucks that aren't my stuff, right? Uh-huh. Like, He's, he's not helping. He just shows up and beats the piss out of people and then throws them into Arkham. And you're like, oh, so this is what the villains feel that Batman's doing. Um, and But I love that when Flatline goes, oh, yeah, Batman's beat up Lord Deathman numerous times. And just her whole, like, I don't know. There's an innocence to her, even though that she's probably a straight-up murderer. Right? I mean, she's, she's on this island. She definitely is. She's on this island. But there's, like, a naivety... Uh, innocence that i i love with her that balances damien so well that i hope i hope she sticks around long term she's, yeah. she's a fun new character damien kind of can't take it so he kind of slinks out the scene and yep. goes for a little walk and he runs into no one else but connor hawk mm-hmm. who is you know as he's heard is his biggest competition and he starts to ask about well you're with the league i've been with the league i never saw you around mm-hmm. what's going on and they end up actually kind of bonding because they start comparing their, their fathers. They start comparing... Yep. Because there's, there's that full period spread where you see, you know, Batman and Green Arrow kind of in the night sky. And it's just mm-hmm. the, 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 the bubbles going back and forth of, uh, oh, you know, to, so you ever grew up with them? Well, he actually, you know, he, he knew I existed. And he just ran away. Uh, uh, well, did your father die? One... Yeah, but he came back. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just this back and forth all the way down yeah. the page. Connor Hawks of yeah he knew about me but he ran away. That I forget about that about Ollie, uh, and about like yeah he knew Connor Hawk was there but he didn't want anything to do with him. That that's worse than anything Batman's ever done. And I say this as someone that's real negative about Bruce. Ollie has often been kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's and not I, like a, a one-off thing. That's that's kind of like no. his shtick. And and as a hero, I prefer him oh, to Matt, Bruce. Mate. He's more, I won't say realistic, but, you know, he, he goes through things that, you know, he does, you know, a lot of mistakes that everyday people do, right? You know, they just I, like I, things. Yeah, I guess. I just, you know, but again, I forget that how shitty he can be, 
you know, because, yeah. you know, um, but yeah, so I, I just liked all that. And they talk about the different, you know, you know, you have, you have themed cars and, and a cave and, and all that stuff. I, I do love that. But they they really are more similar than we had thought at the outset. And that's pretty hilarious. Yeah, they, they immediately kind of bond in a way where it's yeah. not like the mortal he's, enemies. He's making a friend named Connor. Like, weird. Maybe that'll work for you too, Pete. Never. <laughs> Damien should run right now. The best choice he has. Uh, so uh, the, the guys from the league show up and are like, why are you socializing with him? He's your enemy. Yeah. And Damien's like... And Juliet. Yeah, and, and Damien recognizes this guy, though. He's like, wait a yeah. minute. I remember you when I was little. You got kicked out of the league because you were shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, I helped kick you out. That's how bad you were. Yeah, so basically they make Connor and, and you know, start a fight, even though it's against the rules mm-hmm. to fight at night. Um, yeah. And sure enough, we get this two-page layout of all the punches and kicks. I actually thought Connor Hawk was going to do the Bane back, uh, backbreaker. The way, Me too. The way he held up Damien, I thought, oh, he's going to break his back, and then he just threw him yeah. off the cliff. But still, yeah. was well, a cliff. It was um, but I was quite and, high. And, yeah. and the the one dude from the league is like, well, technically this doesn't break the rules because you're not dead, but you're going to be in a lot of pain. Mm. Uh, and you only, you only heal if you die, so... Yeah. Good yeah. Well, what's so cool about this is, it, so you get this page where he's falling down, you get that big, nice, big vertical panel with him going down, and then you get the actual... Because that one's quite tranquil almost because it is kind of perfectly mm-hmm. still, but then the next one has got all the speed lanes, and it feels like he's getting faster as he goes down. But then there's like a blur and a whoosh, and it's like, wait, what come? And you sort of see the image of a bat against the moonlight, but it's kind of this, you know, tease of like who actually did swoop in and save him, and we, you know, it's kind of left as a mystery, right mm-hmm. here. Um, and then the cliffhanger when he wakes up, Grandfather Raz has come yeah, to pay him a visit. Uh, but he's looking a bit different. He's got long hair. His beard's grown in a little bit. He's a, uh, he's he's kind of hobo Raz. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think the beard's actually that different. I think it's just if you change the hair, the beard's mostly the same as what we're used to seeing him. With. I suppose. Uh, Which um, he's, he's 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 got his priorities right. I don't know. The, yeah. the middle of the beard looks more filled out to me, but this is probably it does. Okay. No, it looks longer it's, than normal. It's, it's splitting hairs at that point. Well, because usually he doesn't have a beard; it's just the goatee, right? That's great. Uh, yeah, it's usually a thin goatee with the. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm thinking I've seen him with the beard as well, though. I don't remember, but. Uh, also, outside of that short stint in Hell's Outsiders, we haven't really seen Roz in Rebirth. Right? I mean, yeah, really? Outsiders was the main thing he was in, I guess. Yeah. So he's, he's legit been gone, and so this was a nice surprise. Uh, and just judging from, you know, how he <laughs> basically wanted uh, Damien to use as his next vessel, you know, and that's why he was created... This adds a whole new dynamic uh, here. Is he going to train him in the way of the demon? Uh, what's going to happen? But yeah, fun, fun cliffhanger here. Yeah, uh, solid issue. I, I, you know, I, I don't think issues two or three of being as good as issue one, but that's just because issue one was was extremely surprisingly good. Uh, this is this is a really fun series that I look forward to reading because it is a very light breezy read. Uh, yeah. It gives us a nice sort of check in with Damien, it's giving him a spotlight and it's tying into the various aspects of his character. Uh, there's not as much of it this issue, but you still get a little bit of the uh, the ghost Alfred over his shoulder. Uh, I, I kind of dig how it's a close-up just like focus on his mouth and sort of more abstract looks at him yeah. like that rather than just showing uh, Alfred. It. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun book. 
Uh, atmosphere, let's say. Yeah, and I like how it's kind of just uh, deconstructing Damien as this little shit character that we know him as, and I feel like through through his experience here on Lazarus Island, he's going to come out actually reborn, but not in the way that we think, mm-hmm. right? And if I had to guess, Roz is there because of this massive Lazarus pit, uh, uh, and he's probably not happy about it. That's why he's looking a bit rough, because he needs to... He needs yeah. to... He, he needs to rejuvenate again. Yes, he needs to. <laughs> what if he just enters? He's like Damien. You, you're no longer representing the demon's head. Uh, mm. I'm going to go in for you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just old man Roz kicking the shit out of everybody. I actually want to see that. He needs to go take a skinny dip in the, uh, in the Lazarus yeah. pit. Uh, Matt, what are you giving Robin issue three? Uh, this is eight point five. Plus, uh, Melk Melkinoff, Melkiov, Melnikov. There we go. Club's art. I don't, I, so I don't even know what Matt was trying to say there. Thank you. Connor got it. <laughs> I did. Connor not Hawk. That, that's his new name. Um, but yeah. CR21. CR21. Not Hawk. Conroe. Not the aliases keep building. Not Hawk is the best because it's automatically negative. <laughs> <laughs> it's also just factually correct. I don't know if it's that negative. Yeah, but we're just describing you what you aren't by what you so, are. So it's it's not Hawk, not Kent. Right. I mean, if you Pete? ask Pete, exactly. There you go. <laughs> he doesn't know what you're talking about. He might as well be Starfire, because he doesn't recognize it. Hey, given how tired I was today reading all these books, the entire Teen Titans could have shown up on a page and I may not have noticed them. So <laughs> To be fair, I don't know if I'd recognize half the Teen Titans at the moment. Well, I'm in the classic team, but sure, yeah. The, the current team may <laughs> be right. a bit harder anyway. Uh, Alright, so you give it 8.5, Connor, were you giving it? Uh, Probably just an 8. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't know. I think an 8 is what I'm going to give it as well. It's a fun book. I, I enjoy reading it. Uh, no, no regrets. There's, you know, there's no reservations with this one like there is no. with Justice League. Or... No regrets. No regrets. <laughs> Batman Superman, issue 19, Jean Lin Yang, and a bunch of artists, because there's a lot of jumping between various, uh, you know, worlds mm. and mm. universes that this, this Atur I.O. is set up, uh, so I'm not going to list them all, but the uh, this leads to, there's a lot more of the real world at the start of this one, yeah. we have the miniature Batman and Superman watch the real Batman and Superman get trapped in a crystal, by a in the Phantom's own crystal. In the Phantom's yeah. own crystal. And being heroes, these little Batman and Supermen want to save them. So they try mm-hmm. to, you know, follow Io when he jumps into a, a movie that he's created, a world that he's created. And it ends up, we go through a couple of different variations. We, we first end up in a version of Ran, where, mm-hmm. for, uh, this is so random, but Alana ends up tagging along and even travels with them to the next one. Yeah. Which was really weird, but okay. Um... They do encounter a Turayo there briefly, but the main encounter, which leads to the big cliffhanger, is they end up in the Old West, they're sort of cowboys, sort of dressed, and they end up in a sort of train heist because there's something weird with this train, a tour's probably on the train. Turns out he's actually the entire front part of the train. He stands up with a transformer at the end of it. But uh, we have this, like, you know, Mask of Zoro-esque vigilante. El Diablo. El Diablo round around. Yeah. Uh, who's surprised when he can't shoot Superman, obviously, at one point on top of the train. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, we, yeah, we got the, the all the fighting here. It's just... It's, you know, 
Honestly, I don't have a whole lot to say about this book at this point. It's just kind of continuing the silly fun. So, so I like that there's two two things, is that the Lex from one of the other surviving worlds, right, mm-hmm. uh, comes up with a plan that uh, Artorda, Io is going, is trying to make the perfect story, right? So Lex is able kind of to sell him on the idea, like, well, you could make the world of tomorrow like the perfect one, and everything that's not perfect, you throw into the world of night, right? Uh, which is the the Batman one, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what Lex is already doing. That's why we have that cloning machine. But, that but was... just just to be clear here, not yeah. the Lex from either of those two worlds. This, no, this is the, from... this is a third Lex from another world. Yes, that escaped right, one that right. got destroyed. And so that sells Autorda Io that that's what he's going to do, but he's going to do it his own way. We also find out that he is an alien that. Basically, was taken over by sentient film. If I am reading that, yeah, correctly. basically Superman, because they get a glimpse of it when they're in the mm-hmm. uh, the rampart. But when they're yeah. in the old west, Superman intentionally sort of goes tornadoes around them to separate yep. him from the army, the, the armor. And it turns uh-huh. out the alien inside's actually quite reasonable and thinks yeah. what's happening is quite horrible, and he sees right. the error of the ways and all that. But eventually, the armor like goes back on him and controls him again. Right. So. But- but we found out that he's wanted Sorry, for we, generations. Blue Beetle here. No, no, no. 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 <laughs> it no. sounded suspiciously like Blue yeah. Beetle just coming it, in. It's a, it's a little. He is blue, though. Whatever alien he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but basically he he's like this... Almost he is storytelling, right? That's how I, I read this as. And he got to the point where movies become a thing. And he completely... Or stage plays. I, I'm not exactly... I don't think it was movies. It, it, it is movies? Yeah, because uh, he, he basically he talks about landing on Earth and he uh-huh. went to watch movies, basically. And mm-hmm. eventually this whole theory he went to for decades. Close. Shut down. Mm-hmm. And that's when he kind of uh, ended up with the armor and you know went right. down this path. But um, In his mania, so he encased him like a suit of armor, this, this, this sentient uh, film... And created the archive of worlds, and now this is what's leading to that. Um, uh, and you know, the armor takes back over him, and he ends up opening up a demon horde of the apocalypse. Which I do love that Yang is playing with different genres, right? We get, go to Ran, which is straight sci-fi, right? We have Alana with the jetpack and all this. Then they jump into Western uh, with with El Diablo, and he looks like Zorro. And there's a train heist, and uh, they're all in in Western gear. And now he's opening up clearly horror. I mean, if, so I just if they jump again, I imagine El Diablo will probably go with them because it feels like yeah. after having Alana tag along, it feels like whenever they get to the end of the story, having one representative of all these various worlds is maybe probably going to play right. into whatever happens. So right. that makes some and sense to me. Genres represented, and at, at the end here we have an evil-looking Etrigan with a bunch of other demons behind him. I'm pretty sure um, there's a man bat behind them at least. Yeah, Cthulhu. It looks like too. It's a Cthulhu, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, a whole, whole bunch of scary stuff. That's a cliffhanger, um, yeah. That's that's he's bringing the yeah. hell creatures to to fight them. Yeah, I, yeah. It's all, fun. All pretty fun stuff. Uh, I I like that he tries to say to Superman, "Hey, your world's going to be the good one that'll survive." Mm-hmm. But Superman's like, "Yeah, but what what happens to the Batman's world then?" And mm-hmm. it's like, "Oh, that's going to go to shit." Why do you care? He's like, well, no, I don't right. accept that. I, I can't I can't let right. another world suffer. For our world to prosper, that's just not how how he thinks. So it's like it's a good little character beat for Superman. Right. And there you go. That's pretty much it. I'm trying to see who did the the arts. There was a um, long list when I was looking on League of Comic Geeks. There was a long list. And I, yeah, well, I, Lupacino is one. Is Lupacino the Rand stuff? I think. 
No, because that's Lieber. That's clearly Lieber. And then, so Lupacino must have done the, I'm going to guess the Western, if I'm looking at it. And I can't really tell, and I feel bad. But I wish they had put them there, almost as if they're different movies, mm -hmm. like the credits. You know what I mean? So that that's one negative here. Um, but yeah, you have Emanuela Lupacino, Steve Lieber, Derek Robinson, and Kyle Fox. Um, so yeah, uh, but so... No, this is a, a whole lot of fun. Um, and I, you know, I, I really like Yang. Yang takes these chain the, these chances with storytelling that I just I really like. Um, and I and I hope he, after this book ends, he has something fun to do. We know Monkey King. I I don't know seated. like. If he gets put on another book after this, I'm going to assume the book is ending in about six issues time. <laughs> but but what if it's something that he's with from the beginning, right? Like sure. he he got how many how many of New Superman did he go? Eighteen. There's right? at least yeah. So who knows? But yeah, I mean, but what is it that it's not exactly? Oh no, there was twenty four. To read every week. There was twenty four. Yeah, there was a volume was four. Yeah, it was twenty four. Um, but yeah, it's not like I would recommend it if you if it wasn't like a big huge week right and you have all these other marquee books to read you know if i wasn't already enjoying all of this because of, of movies and the genre play stuff i probably would let it fall off it, but, is, it is worth saying that know. yeah on a busy week like yeah. this this one yeah did get le this got left to the end and it was kind of like yeah. oh this is definitely the one that feels like it's superfluous to everything else mm -hmm. but i mean i did enjoy it when i read it it's a good fun time well, mm -hmm. worth noting that obviously it got, it's getting cancelled that right YouTube probably aren't the only people who feel like that. Like it's fine, but you know, yeah, there's a lot of other books that, that you'd rather keep but up with. I I feel that's most Batman Superman books though, because even I mean I feel like the the one pre Flashpoint right that went forever, but it always just kind of meandered. Like it was never the best thing DC was putting out past a certain point, but it was there. It hasn't you know? been a notable book since the original Globe stuff, right? Um. Because even when they brought in uh, uh, Jay Lee to do it in um, New 52, it was fine. Um, I enjoyed it for the Jay Lee art, not right. the book itself. Like, right. Not the so, story, but it, it no. was art's gorgeous, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even here from the start, when, when it was uh, Williamson, this book started on shaky ground already because it felt like it was a tie into Hell, Hell Arisen. And even after that, it was like, yeah, it's a fun book, but it was never anything special. No. So... It's a shame because I like Yang. I want Yang to be able to tell fun stories like this wherever. So wherever he chooses to do that, I'm going to follow. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm going to rate this book. I'm going to give this a 7.5. Yeah, straight 7 for me, I think. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it was a fun time. But I mean, it, I hate to say this, but yeah, you can, you can wait for the trade probably and just mm -hmm. you know, read it that way. Uh, but there you go. Uh, so Matt obviously didn't read this next book because he said he didn't read something on the list and this is the only thing left. <laughs> so, Batman Reptilian Issue 1. No, there's there's another thing. Is there? What's the other thing? Yeah, there's... Yeah. I, I was, it's called Action Comics. Yeah, I thought you'd split it up from Superman or something, but... Yeah. Oh! Wait, you didn't read Action yeah. Comics? Oh, oh no, I read Action Comics. Back, you just said it was the last book. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, Action Comics was on the list. I just skipped over it. Because yeah. I felt I felt like we did well, the Superman book. I forgot there was two. Yeah. yeah. So go ahead and talk about Batman Reptilian. I guess um, yeah, we'll do actually comics last then before the Patriot yeah. book. Uh yeah. since since I skipped over it. 
See, look, I told you I was tired. Mistakes were going to be made today. I, 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 our our <laughs> assumption was you just wanted to split up from Superman, right? No, I was next oh. on the list. I just lost over it. So, there you all go. Right. Uh, yeah. All right. Batman Reptilian issue one, Garth Ennis with Liam Sharp. On our, this is the new DC Black Label book. And it's definitely distinct. It looks different. It does not look Liam Sharp art that I've seen before. It looks very I have, different. Because I, I, I'm just sorry, I didn't read this either because I don't like Ennis. Um, that, that's not a surprise. I'm on the record of that. Hell, look. No, I know. I, I, I couldn't even read the Bond book by Ennis, and I love Bond. Um, I, I've heard the chapter out in this described as similar to like Dave McKean. Oh, no. I don't like McKean. Why you say no? No, Dave McKean's great. Dave McKean's the one that does the long, long bad ears, right? No, you're thinking of Kelly Jones. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. Dave McKean, well, the Dave McKean did, uh, Arkham Asylum. Oh, well, that's fine then. Okay. Yeah. It's, okay. it's kind of like that. I will say that the faces aren't always to my liking in this. The faces are a little bit more... I don't know, like Arkham Asylum meets like weird president mask look, <laughs> but uh, uh, as in Point Break president mask. Yes, as in president, as in the president mask you wear when you're robbing a bank. Um, okay, gotcha. Especially Dead Joker President's and a couple of other characters. However, the Batman himself and his silhouette and the cityscape, the rain, the streets, that stuff looks absolutely gorgeous. There's a real mood and atmosphere to this, and it. Yeah, I would say somewhere between Arkham Asylum and like a Behermo art, somewhere something in the middle between mm-hmm. those two is kind of where you're you're landing much, with us. How much bat penis is there? No bat dick. <laughs> not enough, I'm okay. assuming. Gotcha. Okay. But uh, the story starts. Does the first chunk of it is uh, so this this sounds like a a boxer, maybe an MMA MMA fighter, who has been got off scot free as the seedy little sleazy lawyer speaking to the press outside the courthouse. Talking about how uh, he's innocent, blah, blah, blah. And it sounded like he was accused of raping someone, or two people in particular. Oh and Batman, as he, the lawyers talk about how, oh, you know, this criminal system, this is this is horrible. They use, you know, stuff submitted by the Batman. We have evidence that proved that he's innocent. And it's all coming off very sleazy. And the Batman never shows his face because he, you know, he's just a shadow at night. And then Batman just walks through the crowd... <laughs> walks right up to him and calls the big guy a coward. Uh, and it's kind of this big defining moment where he says, you're a rapist, you're a coward, and, you know, you are who you are. And the lawyer's like, this is an outrage, how dare you come up to my client like that, blah, blah, blah. And eventually, Batman pisses him off so much that he takes a swing, and Batman, you just you see like the, there's a pile at the bottom where everything turns red, and it's all pouring rain, this whole thing, this whole thing, it's, there's so much atmosphere, everything's just pour, in the pouring rain at night. And... Batman's walking away from this guy on the ground and just says, self-defense. <laughs> because he did take the swing first. Uh, I, yeah, there's definitely an Ennis quality to the writing here, which you're either I going to love or hate. Say, this is what I, I cannot say. I'm not anti-Ennis like Connor, <laughs> but the stuff I've read from Ennis, he's not he's my kind of writer. Yeah! He, he reminds me a lot of Matt Miller. I, yeah, but... But Mark Miller also surprised you from ever like like Supreme is one of the best things I've ever read, uh, because there's there's a heart there. I it. think I don't have a problem with Ennis's because I've read some Preacher mm-hmm. and it was pretty solid yeah. what I read. I think but, here what's yeah. different is that this this is not original characters that he's creating. This is Batman. This is 
Now, that said, though, they're kind of just left of what they're supposed to be, though, because Alfred's a little bit sassy. The next scene's in the cave, and Alfred's kind of... Oh, you got me back. Right? Sassy Alfred. You he's got be, me back. He's being just a little bit sassy. Um, and so on. But anyway, there's, there's another call. The cave looks fantastic, by the way. I was, I was pointing that out in the art. Uh, my favourite panel, though, my favourite panel of this whole book is the after he leaves the cave, there's just a shot of the Batmobile going down a street. And holy crap, this thing is like, you know, said it as your... Someone edit out the speech bubble, because there's one little speech bubble. You could put this as your phone background. It, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. Why not just try tweeting it sharp and ask for the, the image without the lettering? Clean. Sure, yeah, yeah possible to do that. But it, it looks, it, it's gorgeous. Like, the reflections on the, the street, uh, the way you've got all the, 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 the city lights kind of in this dabbed painted style, it just, it looks gorgeous. Uh, Batman goes to a bar and basically demands to see uh, whoever... Like, uh, so, so yeah, I, I saw the cream. Sorry. So the, the thing he hears in the cave is that what two is it? It's Mad Hatter and uh, another one. It's not Riddler and Penguin because Riddler and Penguin are the second two. But two, two, two of the Gotham villains have been found almost dead, not killed, but like torn, like bleeding. They've been attacked by something, and he goes mm-hmm. to this bar to try and find one of the henchmen that worked for one of them. Uh, or one of the, the rats, and finds the guy, again, more gorgeous rooftop stuff, with all the lights of the city, the, seriously, it's the face he's, like, when you see the Joker in a flashback later on, the Joker looks horrible, like, his face is disgusting, but, <laughs> all of the, the, the locations, and the vistas, are stunning, and, he's basically threatening this guy off the edge of the roof, and he's asking, like, he wants to know what happened, why, why what, what happened with this, this incident, but he's surprised when the guy says, he doesn't say the two names he's expecting. He says Riddler and uh, Scarecrow or whatever. Riddler, Scarecrow, uh, Mad Hatter, and Penguin are the four I think that are involved. But they're in two pairs, and it's two different names. And he's like, "Wait, wait, wait! What are you talking about? Like, speak! What happened to these two? And it seems that the exact same thing happened to two other villains at the same time or together. And is it okay? Someone's attacking the various villains in Gotham. So he ends up telling the story that kind of led to it, where he talks about the uh, the villains all getting together. Uh, Joker was kind of rallying the crowd a little bit, uh, talking about what to do about Batman, uh, you know, whatever. And it kind of led to this thing where the double-crossing was happening, and ultimately leads to this mysterious thing where they all get attacked. Uh and yeah, the end of the issue is just this like this guy goes home and he's like terrified. He's in he's in uh he's bed and because Batman kept repeating remember Batman never kills because the guy's really scared and he keeps reminding them, don't worry, Batman doesn't kill. What what you got to be scared of? But he keeps doing it in a really intimidating way. So the guy's got like really serious problems. So the issue mainly is just teasing that something big is attacking a lot of the villains. So it's setting up the the titular reptilian uh, is the main thing. Mm-hmm. Honestly, this is all about the atmosphere. If you're going to get this, it's mostly for the art, uh, which is super like horror, atmospheric. Gotham feels alive, and it feels like dense and scary. I feel like because uh, Sharp was experimenting a lot in the back half of the Green Lantern stuff he did. Yeah. Uh, like trying a lot of different styles, and I did just went and looked at the preview pages for this. And it seems like some of that has carried across to this. So this is like, it's not exactly the same, but um, 
there's a there's a lot of similarities between what he was doing there. Uh, just it's, it's super interesting to see him doing some just you know vastly different stuff to what he what he's what we've seen in the past. Yeah. The other big plot thing in the issue is when he's talk telling this backstory uh, about what got all the the villains kind of railed up. Uh, it sounds like something mentally affected them, where they were at this big meeting, all all the various Gotham villains, mm-hmm. and they kind of all felt this like tension really suddenly, where they all wanted to pull their guns on each other. All the henchmen pulled their guns on each other. Uh, it was it was like something psychologically like manipulated all of them to feel paranoia and whatever and anger, whatever you want to call it. But then it went away almost just as quickly after, you know, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever it was, it all just went away and everyone was just kind of confused. Why did we all just act out like we're ready to go to war? This didn't make any sense. Ares is involved. Uh, so <laughs> this presumably is tied to the, to the monster in some way or something that's going on. Uh, but this is you know, partly why this guy, this henchman, kind of got, got away from the game. He didn't want to be a part of this anymore. <laughs> it was too scary. The most interesting thing for me here in this is, I think before reading this, all of us just assumed reptilian, we were dealing with croc. And the way you're describing this sounds like it's not croc at all. No, we knew it wasn't croc. Did we? Yeah, it was in the solicit. It was like, this is not croc, this is a new thing. Oh, yeah. fair enough. I, I clearly didn't read the solicit. Yeah, you always knew it wasn't Croc, so it was kind of something other than Croc. Fair enough. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm down to read more of it. It was, it was such a, a nice, enjoyable read because the art's so good, because the atmosphere is so strong. Uh, atmosphere mm-hmm. is one of those things where if you can capture the atmosphere, like it, it, it goes so far that it's because it's the same in a movie. If you, if your direction and like art and cinematography is so good, the story can be basic. And I'll just be so into it because I'll be just enriched in what's going on the whole time. Uh, same for a comic, really. I mean, I mean, the story's fine. Like, I'm intrigued. The mystery they're building up with what happened with the villains and it being Batman hunting out this information is cool. It's kind of a weirdly paced issue in the sense that it ends in kind of a downbeat moment, but it kind of fits this, the somber, moody t- tone to the whole thing. That it's not just like a big traditional cliffhanger. So, hmm. yeah, I like it. I'd give it a solid day. I mean, the art's not always amazing. Some of the faces, Joker in particular, looks really rough and has that kind of, uh, almost like the the, the rocker kind of sheen to the faces a little bit. Uh, the word I was using when I was reading Greenland was rubbery. A little rubbery, yeah, uh, which ties into the whole president mask thing, I suppose. But <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah, but. Uh, so much of the art is good though it's one of these weird things where the the atmosphere in the world they're in like means that it doesn't matter <laughs> like I'm too busy enjoying the, the atmosphere of everything uh, so yeah, take that as what you will I'm, I'm down to read the, the you know, however many issues of this is just because it was such a it was six. such a different vibe from everything else I'm, do you know what I'm glad it's 6 because if this was only going to be 3 or 4 this would have felt like there wasn't enough story I'm so pretty I'm, sure I'm, it's 6 yeah that feels like it's, it's probably paced correctly then. So, yes, yeah, so there's a big there's a big gallery at the back of the issue as well for uh, potential covers and like teases of art for the next issue, which I am not looking at properly because I don't want to spoil anything. But I guess I'll try to sell you on the uh, on the issue. But uh, there you go. That's uh, Batman Reptilian issue one. Action Comics issue 1032. So, 
this is continuing with the refugees. Uh, mm-hmm. Now we now know that one of them, you know, was sent by Mongol to, yep. you know, whether or not she's like, you know, believes this or she's in support of Mongol, it seems, feels more like complete, not brainwashing, but like just the break that down to the point where she's. It's, yeah, it, it's not, it, I mean, it is brainwashing, but not exactly how we think. It's just, yeah. it's, it's hard to explain. It, she is she is mentally conditioned to just accept this abuse, um, and that's when when they try to take the chains off, she freaked out. Yeah, which, which they, teased, Superman, they teased that last yeah. issue, but they kind of reiterate right. it here, where Superman it feels quite bad that he tried to and doesn't know. Yeah. yeah, the fact that he feels guilt about it is, and this is why I like that Philip Kennedy Johnson having this deep understanding of Clark Kent, right? Is that all he wanted to do is help, but then the fact that it made her so much worse. Now he feels bad about it. And not that he pushes it off on Lois, but he tells Lois, hey, um, you probably know she's going to trust you. Yeah, so it, let's do what we can to help her. Um, and also that through through her um, uh, going through her exploring of the, the library of Candor, right, she's found there was like this might be this ancient Kryptonian colony called the Felosians, uh, and that's where this uh, person might have originated from. Um, so I thought that was pretty, pretty good. There, I, I like any kind of ancient Kryptonian. I thought thing. it was really interesting to see Kara uh, uh, and Kelix. Was it Kelix or just the fortress in general? Where they were like, conversing in Kryptonian? Which I wanted. I know I could have went and found a cipher. And I was going to. I did not have time today. I honestly, uh, Matt, I think it's almost healthy that you did not. Uh, so, <laughs> Wait, you don't want covered. me to do it? That means I have to do it now. Yeah. So, you know, because obviously Superman asked about the branding, like has you know has you know the, yeah. the House of L symbol been on on her hand, uh, and <laughs> she, I mean, she kind of tells the truth, but also not. Uh, you know, in a way, obviously, she mm-hmm. kind of doesn't tell the exact truth because she is kind of programmed to to, you know, infiltrate in whatever Mongo's plan ultimately is. Uh, she does fire off a blast of a type of heat vision. It's not the same as, as the others, though. Right. A little bit different. It's uh, kind of similar to John's, which I thought was interesting. I, I think it's, it's very telling that we will get to Godzilla in a minute, but not Godzilla's atomic breath. It looks mm-hmm. very similar to what this does. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here's well. I would say yeah. It's kind of similar to when John changed the uh, the you know what part of the spectrum he was on, right? Right. Like, that's right. yeah. Right. Because I read Superman first. Uh, this is one of the ones I saved for last as well, and it felt like that ultraviolet vision. Yeah. You know? But basically, they theorize that because she, you know they are you know that this colony was so ancient that they have kind of evolved a little bit differently. So. Th- they're reacting. They're still getting powers from the sun, but it's it's reacting a lot. It's not the exact same as, as Clark and John and other Kryptonians. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so, so Lois shows compassion, makes her feel at home and comfort, comfortable. And in the second half of the issue, things take a completely different spin because the artifact, <laughs> the artifact is down the line, it starts reacting, and there's some obviously debates about what to do with it. And it basically raises a monster uh, from under the ocean and then it turns out to be multiple monsters because then, then we get to the, the pier later on. There's like, t- do you know what it is? It's Pacific goddamn Rim. Some of them even load the kaiju from Pacific Rim. Uh, one of them looks like Godzilla. The, that big first uh, one is just Godzilla. Yeah. 
The first one? I gotta say Superman fight Godzilla. This book is fantastic. Yeah, the big one that comes out of the wall with all the symbols on it. It's clearly just meant to be Godzilla. It, it, it has, like I said, the atomic breath and everything. Mm -hmm. It looks nothing like Godzilla. The face is different, but clearly this is meant to be Godzilla. This is this is I, the closest they could get to I'm having sure Godzilla. I'm sure Toho has that design on lock, so Sam Pierre had to I'll accept the Atomic Breath, but there is nothing about how he looks that even remotely looks like Godzilla. The entire Godzilla. shape of it. He, he looks like someone who's got like tumors and growth and he, he but it's, it looks like a sort of deformed human as opposed to anything lizard-like. What? I don't know. He's when Superman shows up and punches him, the ridges, it, you know, what's it feels like Godzilla. What ridges? I'll see ridges. He's got spikes on his head. It's on his arm. On the back of his shoulders. It's coming oh, out of his spine as well. Where Superman says, we'll handle it, and he comes up and he knocks him in the jaw. No, no, no. Before that, I'm talking about when he's coming out of the war. Like, when, when we're in Atlantis. And I, and I swear they're getting bigger. That looks like a Godzilla to me. It's yeah. very similar to the Dragon's Sword. And, no, no, and no, before that, Godzilla. before that, I'm not looking at that page. I'm looking way before that, because you said the first one. This is the first one, the very first oh. one we see. I clearly mean the first one up, oh, yeah. okay. Right. The first okay, one we see. The first unfinished one. <laughs> the sure. other ones, though, are definitely Pacific Rim bad guys, Wait, which the, Warner owns, right? The, the, the bubble, the so. speed bubble, is because he actually speaks. The monster speaks and says, we are but whispers within dreams. That's the page I'm looking at. That right, looks the, okay. un, the unfinished one, yes. That looks nothing yeah, like a Godzilla. <laughs> no, but that's Merrick turning into Godzilla. Yeah, like, am, am I being stupid here? Clearly, we were oh. talking about the big thing coming out of the sea that looked exactly like I Godzilla. Was. You said yeah. the first one. That's why I, I was looking oh, right at the first he, one. He, you're being pedantic right now. <laughs> I feel. It's the that's first Connor one. Job. It's the first one. Okay. So I, I feel like the say, description was clear enough, but yes, yeah. Godzilla. So, so I get Superman punching Godzilla here, yeah. and then he flies down into him, and then it's not Godzilla at all. It becomes this weird temple with like Lovecraftian themes, and there's a a Superman uh, kind of Kryptonian symbol on there. Very Kingdom Come esque, actually. Yeah, Kingdom Come Superman, um, but just the whole idea that like. There's there's a god that is dreaming, and that ooh, now he's aware that we know that he's dreaming. That brings about the end of the world. That's Cthulhu, right? Like that's Lovecraftian mythos. So now we have we have Philip Kennedy Johnson pulling that in to Superman, which I never thought I would ever need, right? But the fact here that then Superman puts us all together because he's like I've seen these markings before. Uh, and whatever this is talking to him, and they tell the story of one who is gone but must one day return. And this is where it got really Lovecraft to me. And it says, he awaits your coming, Superman of Earth. Few will play a greater role in his story as you. And that's when he sees the kingdom come S. And he goes, I don't know what any of that means, but I know this is just an illusion. And then he freezes Godzilla from the inside. Um, and it was pretty, pretty damn cool. Um, but yeah, and then we end up getting an international incident between Steve Trevor uh, coming down on a on a helicopter ladder, which is pretty cool, and arguing with Aquaman about basically you're gonna turn that over to us, and Aquaman's like we don't have to do anything, uh, and yeah, which leaves Superman distinctly in the middle here, 
because he doesn't want the U.S. to go to war with Atlantis. We've already done that, you know. I'm, I'm yeah, digging this look for Steve Trevor when he's coming down yes. on the on the rope ladder, mm-hmm. on the chopper yeah. with with the goat. I'm like, special yeah. agent Steve Trevor is something that we haven't had in a while, and no. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, and I like that he has the liaison to the Justice League, right deep down. So of course he's gonna go down to talk to Arthur. He's like, hey, you need to turn that over because whatever that was just turned monsters to come and attack one of our cities. You know, yeah. but I also feel like the Atlanteans now, they're under whatever, I don't want to say a spell, but whatever the stone's doing, they're definitely been affected by it. Oh, yeah, so, 100%. But yeah, um, a lot a lot of fun stuff coming in here. Sam Pierre's art is top notch. Like, I feel like this is. Especially the back half of this issue, where uh-huh. playing with Kaiju is where he excels. Yes. Uh, but I, I would say the in the front half too, like the the scene with with Kara and Kelix and just the way all that looks, like I just feel it, it it all looks very nice. I think that's a lot of the colorist too doing a lot of that because you have all the the blues and the pinks and the purples all going off of each other, and I just it's a real nice image. I like his Kara. Um, yeah, Adriano Lucas doing the colors. Yeah, so the Kara looks looks good here too. Um, but yeah, and his Superman it just looks classic. Uh, we didn't even talk about the Batman. Did we talk about the Batman section? No, we or brushed we, over the Batman section. Uh, this is really the... I do. Gotcha. This was really the only part that uh, took a step back for me, and I feel like something gets lost in the storytelling here where, where you know, Bat- or Superman goes to Gotham to, to basically have Batman to pick Batman's brain on what he thinks this stuff is uh, about the refugees and there's this whole section that if I'm reading it left to right, closed, but like he says, if new Mongol can subjugate Kryptonians, that would suggest they don't have your abilities. And then Batman says, why not? So is he asking the question? Why wouldn't they have the abilities? I feel like there's a, a speech bubble missing here on Superman. No, I think it's a continuation. I think it's meant okay. to be, uh, it's just showing the pause, like, you know, balancing it. That would suggest they don't have your abilities, and then pause. Like, why not? Like, why don't they? Uh, they just okay. want it. I yeah, think it's just about uh, this in a second. And, and then, he, I, I, yeah, then he thinks it out, and then says, well, one of them yeah. just kind of experienced their abilities seemingly for the first time. So there's still clearly a reaction happening eventually. But it's okay. not quite the, the same thing. Gotcha. Um, that, that was the only thing that I felt like there was a disconnect between the storytelling, but I guess it... I mean, if you guys didn't have an issue with it, that's just a me reading, you know? But it just felt like there was something missing. Like, the why not was just in a weird spot, I guess, too. But that's a really cool image of Batman, right? I think it's, it's because, typically, if if that had just uh, been in, all in the same speech bubble, and uh, right. after it doesn't have your abilities, it, it was just a comma, and then why not? Right. You wouldn't have even thought twice about no. it. So I will say, there is arguably a, a problem that, that, that there is. It's not quite as clear as it could be. Mm-hmm. Even though me and Pete presumably read it as intended i, I can right. definitely see where the confusion comes from right and so that again that's really the only main criticism i have for this issue like this is i feel like kennedy johnson's hitting his or philip kennedy johnson say his full name it was really hitting his stride on superman with action right now um and we barely scraped the surface of it so i'm, I'm here for this yeah um yeah no the kaiju stuff is is mostly fun um, it's, it's, you know, the art's good, the, 
the general thing. It does feel a little bit random that this artifact's creating monsters. It's kind of a little bit comic booky in a weird mm-hmm. way, where Philip Kennedy Johnson's stuff up until now has felt more grounded in what it's trying to say mm-hmm. about the character as opposed to, oh, random comic book thing to, to fight. You know, everything's felt like it sort of fell into it. That said, we don't necessarily have the overall context yet for why mm-hmm. this artifact exists, where it comes from, we, or why it's doing we, what it's doing. Yeah, we know it's older than Atlantis, based off of what Volko and Merrick were talking about. Yeah. So it's it's been around for a while, and who knows what this is. But again, I was getting big Lovecraftian vibes just based off of some of the discussion here. I'm, I'm getting vibes, you know, uh, Johnson loves his, his fantasy stuff. You know, he did The, mm-hmm. the Last God. I'm getting vibes of, of that coming in, like, okay, he's he's going to start playing with some other ideas, not just core mm-hmm. superhero stuff right. as well. Right. Yeah. All right, we give it a map. Uh, this is this is a 9.5. Connor? Wow, uh, 8.5. But I thought it was great. Yeah, I, I will go with uh, 8.5 as well. I think I'm agreeing with that. Uh, all right. Carter's got a Patreon book. Everybody to patreon.com slash TV. Uh, one of the higher tiers, you can make myself a Connor read a book, and he's going to be talking about Harley Quinn issue three. Yes, even 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 though four is out this week, it is three I am talking about. Yes. Um, just to clear up any confusion for anyone who, you know, might be just thinking I'm talking about the new you, issue. You let me know when the Rosma art's done, and then I'll start picking up this book. Because Stephanie Phillips tweeted a picture of her lacing up her skates to go play hockey. Well, and, I am uh, sure she's extremely cool. Yes. Uh, so I, I want to support I, her. I don't think I could recommend this book, even without the Rosmar that much. I think it's oh, no. pretty bland. Like, I thought the first issue, I, I liked in spite of the Rosmar. I really liked the writing it came through. Um, since then, it's kind of like, it's a bit bland, honestly. Uh, it's it's not that hot. Like, uh, Harley's setting up a support group for people who used to be like uh, w- working for homicidal clowns. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so she's got the, the one guy, Kevin, who's, who's been in the, the last couple of issues and they're kind of waiting for other people to show up and there's a whole thing of, oh, no one's going to show, but eventually, you know, four or five of them do. And, and it's a bit like, you know, a bit like an AA meeting, they go around, start telling a couple of stories about you know why it was like, but then then one of them was like, no, you know we, we you know we were all terrible people, you know there's all this self guilt, but one of the people there is actually a plant working for Hugo Strange, who is his plan is to cure all the clown craziness because they can't be they can't be saved, they can't be taught through with therapy, they have to be fixed, like biologically, physically, chemically. Because he's he's got some serum that he's working on that is injecting people with to try and again quote unquote fix them in a in in a physical way what rather than mental. And uh, you know him be, you know here the the plant being there trying to get them and the reinforcements show up they're trying to capture Harley and the others for more subjects for for Hugo. Uh, Harley gets away, a little bit of a chase action sequence. She gets down to the sewer, and. Uh, Runs into Solomon Grundy, and and that's kind of the end of the issue there with, with that stuff. Plot wise, there's really not a lot in this. There's literally like you can break down to the, there's an opening sequence of a couple of pages with Hugo Strange doing his experiments, 
Then you have the, the meeting, which flows directly into the, the chase uh, she, as, as Harley is trying to run away from them. Uh, and that, that's it. And, you know, and then she goes down and he escapes and goes into the sewer. The plot is non-existent, um, which would be fine if it was really compelling, bouncing around the writing, you know, really strong dialogue. But I'm not finding it is. I'm finding it's, I say, it's, it's okay. It's by the numbers. Um, it doesn't have as distinct a voice as, I, as, as that first issue did. And by the sounds of it, the Future State issues had a pretty distinct mm-hmm. voice as well. This is just okay, um, and then and then on top of that, you got to put up with Rosno art, which just makes everything more miserable. But yeah, it, it's really not good. Um, you know, that said, I'm sure there's Rosmo art like the Batman Shadow book. It didn't bother me as much, or even in Martian Manhunter. But I just, yeah, man, it's when it's just normal Some, people, right? Yeah, like when there's not the reason for this style tweak you know like i don't know yeah no it's a real shame this book um i say i don't think the writing's terrible i just don't think it's anything good i think it's kind of bland uh and it's it's for me the weakest harley book in years just on the writing alone uh not even taking into consideration the art uh so overall i'm gonna give it like a four because Average writing, below average art. Uh, yeah, I'm going to pull it down to four. Mm. All right. Well, that'll take us on to the final part of the show, which is where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books. And I am totally running on fumes at this point. So uh, luckily all this speech is just mm-hmm. ingrained into my brain. Um, starting with panel slash moment, Matt, what you got? Uh, I'd be remiss. If it wasn't Superman punching a Godzilla-esque kaiju square in the jaw in Action Comics 1032. Connor? That's real good, and I definitely considered that. I'm going to go with a different moment from Action Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's where the, you know, the, there's all, all these people are enslaving. Does it matter if it's a trap? And then it, you know, you know, close up mm-hmm. on the eyes, like, no, no, it does not. Because again, Johnson gets Superman. Yep. Uh, I'm actually going to just go with the uh, the panel from Batman Reptilian with the uh, Gotham City Street and the Batmobile going down it. As soon as I saw that <laughs> panel, I knew it was it was winning this week for me. He, it, he's waiting for the clean version to make it his phone background. It was gorgeous. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's just for art alone. There's no like dramatic reason, the story yeah. reason for that yeah, moment. Just, it's just an art yeah, thing. Sometimes but... the heart wants what the heart wants. Why man picked Superman punch the kaiju? Uh, yeah, I mean, if it was actually Godzilla, Superman wouldn't have won so easily. I'll just uh, throw that out there. Uh, I'm not getting baited into this again. <laughs> not again. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to necessarily say that Superman wouldn't win eventually, but, uh, you know, cause he, I mean, he's better than Kong, obviously. Not... Kong never tapped. I'm just saying. He didn't need to tap. He was getting, he's, he's a very choked out. Godzilla showed him mercy. Uh, so, favorite <laughs> cover of the week. Uh, I'll jump in first here. I will say the Italian cover is kind of neat, the close up of the eye, but uh, as is the main cover for Infinite Frontier, it's very pretty. 
But my pick is the Behermo variant for Detective Comics. Uh, that is real nice. It's just, you know, it's Batman on his knees in pain with just the, uh, you know, big worth. Like, you don't even see it. He only goes up to his chest because he's, like, going off, off page because he's, he's just standing tall above Until Batman. the big W's, you know it's worth. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. And not Wayne. Just to, just in case anyone Obviously, that, that'll be weird. All right, hell, Superman fought Clark Kent in Superman 3. There's no reason why Batman can't fight Bruce Wayne at some point. Uh, all right, uh, Connor? Uh, honestly, there's a lot of good covers. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll shout out to the, the main action, the the, the Anon one. It's kind of pretty yeah. fun. The two that it really comes down to, though, are the, the Wonder Woman variant, the Middleton. Uh, Middleton. And then the Looks Robin like Minerva, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, what was and the, one? the Robin variant, the Manipole. Oh, it's it's so good. I think I'm gonna have to go with that one. Ah, you took mine. Ah, so so yeah, I wanted to bring up the Robin variant because that's great. I was only the Superman variant. Uh, I mean, the Pride one's nice too, but then there's the one with John and Superman. There it looks like a Norman uh, Rockwell painting. That one, that one's nice. Um, I also like the Checkmate cover. Just because it looks like the teaser poster for a Checkmate movie, you know. Uh, but man, I guess I guess I'll just go with the Robin variant too because it's Manipole drawing Connor Hawk, and I can't not plays with the negative space, right? Like, yeah, it, it's just it's, nice. You're allowed to have the same one. There's no rule. There's no. I rule. know, but I, I thought like I'm not going to say anything about it, and then of course Connor. Oh, I'm up. sorry we have very similar tastes when it comes to cover art. I know. It's Manipole. What are you going to do? All right. Best art, Connor. Oh, that's actually... I don't really have, a, like, a standout, I don't think. Um, I'll probably go with Action. I think Sampir does, a, does a, a real good job. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Matt? Um, so this one's very, very tough uh, because um, Melnikov and Robin, right? You got Sampir in action. You got uh, um, Zermanico for Infinite Frontier. Mm. Uh, Malieve for Checkmate. Like, where do I go? But yeah, there's one Pete, that... Pete's got to throw Sharp into all that as well. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, I put it over at the top of the show. Uh, if Zermanico could draw everything, I'd be happy. So I'm going to go with Infinite Frontier. Okay. Uh, I... I think... I mean, as much as I, I've praised a lot of what Sharp did in Reptilian, because I don't like the faces, I don't think I can really give it to it. I I, I just, I can't. Even so though you get the, with Malieve, then, yeah. Even though the unique vibe is very special. Well, I, I'd say it's between Malieve and... Uh, Germanic. Oh, no, Bogdanovich? Uh, really good. Uh... Yeah, that, that's someone I left off too by accident. Bogdanovich is uh, I mean, solid. Well, Marquez? That, that stupid gun <laughs> took him off, the, off out of the running this week. <laughs> Do you know what? I enjoyed that that so much. I'm going to pick Bogdanovich for Detective Comics. I'm really surprised you didn't make that your moment, Pete, just to. <laughs> I, I mean, if you're more of an Ennis. Yeah, you would have. But yeah. But, Shoot. All right. I've been up for like 21 hours. I, I I don't have the capacity to remember what we said two hours ago. Connor, are you ready to talk hockey for about five minutes before we do Ooh, the... Uh... I mean, 
Look, uh, it sucks that we lost. It sucks that we went out. Yeah, it's not happening. Hard so to argue with the we're fact on, that we're on. We're on to the top five books. I'm just going to mute you two bastards, and I'll just do my own. Real, real I'll quick, Connor. I just read on Twitter as you were you were talking. Uh, Alex Martinez. Martinez. Yeah. Yeah, you saw it too. Yeah. Yeah. Broken foot the entire postseason. Bloody hell. Entire. Crazy. Yeah. My favorite aspect ratio is 2.40 to 1 because it's the most cinematic one. But you can't beat a good old 185 to 1. That's why Spielberg put it for Jurassic Park because of the height of the dinosaurs. But I like 2.619. That's my favorite. That's not a real aspect ratio. <laughs> I'm upset. Right, my top five of the week. You be fair, it, it, it could be. It could be. Well, who says it can't? Nah, what's your top five? Uh, okay, number one is Action Comics. Uh, number two is Infinite Frontier. Number three is Robin. Number four is... What else did I read? Uh, there's too much. Number four... Is that Infinite Frontier number? Yeah. Uh, number four is Checkmate. Number five is... No. Detective Comics, then Checkmate. Boom. Connor? That was not slick enough to have a boom at the end. Yeah, but that's why I did it, because it's funny. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with action. Then detective. Then Robin. Uh then I guess Infinite Frontier. Then see another Norman. Yeah, probably Superman out of the two. Hmm. Alright. Uh I'll go Infinite Frontier at number one. Detect no. Action comics number two. Detective comics number three. Checkmate issue four. And then number five will go with... I don't remember what I really rated anything. Uh, <laughs> so I'll go... I'll, probably put, I'll put Retellion just Pete, a, a bit higher above Robin. So. Pete, Pete became me for a hot second going like, <laughs> I don't remember numbers. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wing it. Look. I'm hearing excuses. Honestly, I expected to make way more mistakes today than I actually did. So you know what? I, You've I'm, forgot an entire book. I, the biggest, just the one, biggest book. just one, just one. Yeah, the best book. Second best book. Infinite Frontier was a bit better. Uh, well, me and Matt both for action, so we outweigh you. Uh, Again, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Matt outweighs me on his own car. You don't have to add yourself into this. I do, but I'm losing <laughs> weight. Hit that gym six times a week. Hooey, I feel good sometimes. Not saying I want to die, but <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I mean, I'd like to think uh, both of you combined out with me. I, 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 I think I'd feel quite bad blocks. if you didn't. <laughs> how do you, how do you lead the entire NHL in shot blocks with a broken foot? You're Alec Martinez. I will tell you all what what's coming next week. Um, if I just in case, I'm going to mute those two. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, no, such a short week here, next week. Right? I love it. Oh wait, there's a hundred page book. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's if you guys have muted it. So oh my it's god. Fine. I've not muted it. Uh oh. alright, coming next week, there's three books that we're covering. One is Catwoman Annual Issue One, which is cool. Uh we have Green La Green Arrow, sorry, not Green Lantern. Green Arrow 80th anniversary, hundred page, super spectacular. And we also have Infinite Frontier Secret Files Issue One. Which Connor assures me is important stuff, even though it was already published digitally. When I say important stuff, 
this is the one that um, we were excited for at the time because this is the, got the framing um, framing device of um, bones, and it's the files of all the the people who are going to be involved. Oh, and Pete's going to love it because. Look, there's Richard Williamson stories in there. There's Stephanie Phillips. There's Dan Waters got stories in this. So it's like I mean, honestly, it's a good week to throw these two big books at me because there's nothing else. <laughs> so just, just patron uh, books, right? So yeah, just a couple of patron books. So I may as well read them. So I'm I'm in, yeah. I'm game. There's DC. also a Teen Titans Academy yearbook slash annual that no one's going to read, but yes. it's out. Yes, yes, none of us are going to be reading that. But we got three other books. And uh, but two of them are really big, so the time will be filled quite well. It'll be a full episode; you won't even notice the difference. Uh, so there you go. That's what's coming next week. I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Board Now, Al Tradesman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. Not Stanley. Stanley. They are supporters of patreon.com slash TV. You can, of course, go over there yourself and support us for as little as $1 per month. Get some bonuses. In particular, at the $5 tier, you get the uh, podcast a day early. Uh, so yeah. go and have a look and see if you're interested. Do you, do you know what else they support, Pete? Golden Knights. Golden Knights, go. Okay, and now that I've muted those two, uh, thank you very much for joining us on Comics from the Multiverse. Um, we appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. You can, of course, like and subscribe, and you can do all the YouTube stuff. It helps out a lot. Rate the podcast on iTunes uh, or wherever you get your podcast from. We always appreciate it. Uh, but mostly, mostly just thank you for listening. Uh, and screw these two, who, by the way, are talking the entire time I'm doing this, talking about hockey, and I don't give a shit because I'm ready to go to bed. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. And always remember... To never get lost in the speed force. No last minute line from Matt this week because he's muted because he's misbehaving. <laughs> <laughs>